0: Welcome to a bonus episode of the Liverpool Way podcast. We're mid-international break and desperate to talk about the Reds amidst the irrelevance of friendlies and qualifiers. We'll be sharing our early thoughts on the emerging Klopp 2.0 side, touching on some other matters and previewing the Wolves game on Saturday. We've also got some superb listener questions to tackle too. I'm Chris Smith and as it's early afternoon UK time and most of the lads are at work, I've got TLW editor Dave Usher and Paul Natton, uh, so we'll just call this one the House Husbands Podcast. <laughs> Dave, uh, the first international break of the season is always the toughest to endure, we've had a good start and you just want to get into a rhythm and build on that and you know look forward to the games coming every three to seven days, so we could do it without this side show, really.
1: Yeah, definitely, I suppose the only... Like advantage is that it gives trent a bit of extra time to recover um assuming he is injured of course i mean we don't know if that <laughs> was just get him out of england duty but i think there probably is like something there but hopefully like he's back for back for the weekend um but yeah at the time it wasn't great otherwise because we just had like a little bit of momentum going coming off like the not so much the performance at newcastle although you know it was was an excellent performance down to 10 men but it was more so like the result and like the you know the the late nature of it and we were on a high then we go into the villa game we played really well a team that people quite fancy to do well and we've just completely wiped the floor with them so yeah we were on like a really nice little roll and now we come back international break 12 30 kickoff on a saturday you know potential banana skin there it's like not really what we needed. Uh, the, the main thing is just hope that everyone comes back fit. But it's the South American thing, isn't it? Like the lads don't get back till Friday, I think. Um, that's how it usually works. So they get back on Friday, don't really have a training session, and then we've got a game like first thing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So it might affect our team selection. You know, we want to just carry on from where we, we left off last time. Might not be able to do that because you've got McAllister, Diaz, and my boy all, all coming back. I don't know, I, I read that um, it was them three, but not Alisson. So I don't know if Brazil are not playing or not, but obviously Alisson's fine anyway. Alisson's not going to mm. need training sessions. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we may not be able to start all three of those. It'll be interesting to see what we do. Maybe somebody like Jota comes in because he's he's just scored a couple for Portugal and he's not going to have been travelling from the other side of the world, so yeah just bad timing really, but it always is isn't it? I just Mm -hmm. wish these internationals would fuck off
0: I just don't understand Paul why they just can't pick like, um, I don't know, like a certain period of, get rid of all friendlies for a start, and then just pick a little block of time, like set out a little block of time where you play like four or five qualifiers, instead of these like constant breaks throughout the season, it's so frustrating
2: I'd fuck it all off if it was up to me, mate. I can't just sure. can't be doing with it. It's shit. Um, it, it feels like a an anachronism to me. It's a real throwback to a different era. I just think club football has gone so far beyond international football, and the and and it just feels so club orientated in a way that. I mean, it's always been. I suppose it's always been club orientated, but not the way it is now. Um, and I just, I just, I, I don't watch it. It annoys me. I resent it. Um, but yeah, you would I
1: mean, but... are you on board with <laughs> with Stu's Burnley would win the World Cup? Tea? That that was he's always argued that about how <laughs> shit international football is. Burnley would win the World Cup. He always said Burnley would win the World Cup because international football is like so shit. He's like, if Burnley were in the World Cup, you <laughs> would win it. Are you on board yeah. with that or not? I watch so little so little international football I don't feel qualified to answer but it sounds like the hottest of hot takes that from Stu and he loves a hot take yeah but he was talking about Gash's Burnley like from a few years ago not mm. not barely now um
0: win every game on penalties could you nil, could
1: nil you see extra time could you see that Burnley beating Mbappe's France <laughs> in general oh, I, I do agree with him I do think Burnley would be at least like getting to the semis <coughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'll i say no because I haven't seen the impact that Messi has had on the MLS over the last couple of months like I think I think Messi would be able to probably work his way around Burnley pretty but, much but Burnley would win Same the MLS, MLS. Yeah, well, yeah of course they would so, yeah definitely
1: I don't know it's an interesting discussion I don't know if I'd go as far <laughs> as that but I, I do take his overall point like international football is shit yeah so I, I think they, on board,
0: Burnley would well, probably get because finals
1: did yeah, win the Euros, because like, Greece did it back in the day. If Bernie were playing in it every every four years, at some point you yeah. would win it.
0: And England got to the final, so Bernie would beat England. Yeah, definitely. All right, we're getting <laughs> we got we got sidetracked already. That, that's yeah. my fault. That's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Should we st- let's stick with the Wolves game then? Considering that's where we started out. Um, Actually, it's Monty's it be- <laughs>
1: fault. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: Dal blames you. Yeah, <laughs> Poor Stu. Sorry you Sorry, um, go on. That's all right. No worries. Um, sticking with the Wolves game on Saturday, and I'll stay with you on this, Paul. Like it always seems that when we come back for these breaks, we have an away fixture at twelve thirty on a Saturday, and it does create some problems for us in terms of teams- team selection with the international, with the South American lads coming back from the internationals. Um, how are you viewing that one?
2: I mean, wolves are really, really shit, aren't they? Um, and I, you know, I, I think we should be able to win no matter what team we put out. Um, it does feel like we do feel like reinvigorated as a club and a squad this season. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I mean, there's lots of questions about the team, though. I mean, certainly, I think um, there's all sorts of Queries about the defence, the back four.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, there's no Virgil, so we'd be assuming it would be uh, Joel and um, Joe as centre halves. Because I think Canate is still injured, isn't he? I think or has he's, he gone away with
1: France? He, he didn't go away with France. He got picked and he couldn't go. But do you think he's close? So right, maybe um, he'll be back. well, I mean, if if Which he's back, problem, that helps, us, that helps us. with the right back situation. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: I wonder if I mean if we're really stuck. I mean, we were we were talking about Gravenberch last time. Gravenberg. Oh Chris, um, <laughs> Chris, go. Havemberch. Clarify for us, right? There we go. Um, I think uh, I, I wonder if he might. We might try him at right back. Um, I'm still very intrigued by what happens with him. So I think I would I would like to see him actually on uh, on Saturday. I'd like to see him on the pitch. That would be good. I, I doubt Klopp will throw him straight in from the start, but I'd like him to get some minutes. Um, but yeah, I don't feel particularly—I don't feel trepidatious about it at all. I think it should be absolutely fine. I mean, I just—I just think the point that we made a number of times this season about our—you um, know—our goal threat, regardless of other issues that we've got, that should be enough in the majority of games. I think, particularly against the the poorer sides, I just think we've got so many opportunities and options for goals and creativity from right across the midfield and the front line. To deal with most eventualities, so I, I feel pretty confident about about it. To be honest, what, what about you, boys?
0: I mean, D- Dave, we went there last year and we lost three 0 at the very depths of the <laughs> slump. Do you remember? Like, obviously, it was horrendous. I don't. And it was <laughs> all right. It's black. Well, but... <laughs> it was. It was, and it was probably possibly the worst example of just the entire style of play completely falling apart, and they just. We did It was almost like we didn't have a midfield that day. It was so bad, and um, you know, obviously Wolves have moved on. They've got a different manager. They've lost some of their better players. Um, so it, it's a different proposition altogether. But do you think that, that we might go a little bit conservative in the midfield and maybe Endo starts perhaps?
1: Uh... Again, it may well come down to like the, the South American factor. It's like, does McAllister start, or do they have to leave him on the bench because of all the traveling? I don't know. Endo's in good form. now. he's played really well against Germany, didn't he? So mm-hmm. possibly, uh, he I don't think, think
2: manager the sack, didn't
1: he? Wolves are a little bit of a unknown quantity for me because, like, I've watched like highlights of the games, and I don't think that that shit. I just they like, played I, well at Old Trafford. I, yeah, they I they do think one Gary one. O'Neill knows what he's doing because I mean, Bournemouth by rights, should have gone down last year based on like, quality of player. Um, but he did a really good job with them. and I do think he knows what he's doing. I think he's a good manager. It's just with Wolves, it's always like scoring goals is a massive problem. I mean, you just said there, they, they beat us 3-0. But like three goals is like a, a six weeks work for them usually. <laughs> and we've managed to let them do it in one game. So it's like Wolves are generally in most games they play, but the, just the lack of goals is always a problem for them. So... I'd be surprised if we didn't win. It's a game that we should definitely win. Um, but it does come down a lot to who are we going to start with. And I think, and we'll get on to this with, with the whole clock 2.0 thing, but I think one of the big shifts that we're going to see now is how important subs are going to be in every game. You know, yeah. especially midfield, where like... It, it, Lack of energy and stuff's cost us like last season and that. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, midfielders, you just go and go like balls out for an hour mm-hmm. and then we'll start making changes. Obviously, not Sobba's lie because he's like fucking Superman. He just gets stronger <laughs> as the game goes on. But you may well see like other midfielders coming off for fresh legs coming on, especially because we've got so many options in, in those. Like box to box positions now, so I do think substitutes are going to be like massive for us all season because like the the depth that we've built up now in like attacking midfield areas and the front three, so we are able to when teams start to get a bit tired and then suddenly like you know you're bringing on whether it's whether it's Darwin coming on or whether it's Jota coming on fresh legs in midfield I, it, it should it should just be enough to get us over the line in some of those close games where it's not necessarily going that well so I do think like subs are going to be really important and probably on Saturday as well I think we'll see the subs making a difference
0: Um, Paul do you think that what Dave just said there sort of justifies the transfer strategy in signing an extra type of player like Gravenberg and rather than signing a specialist six do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on this in the last pod, didn't we? I think I was quite fascinated by that idea of how we might go for the mm-hmm. five subs, and I, I, I really think the, I don't think across the league, it's the the significance of five subs has really been fully embraced or appreciated yet. Um, I'm certainly expecting, you know, with Gravenberg signing, that we will see what what Dave's just described there, um, and I think it's I think it's, 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 it's I think it's a deliberate strategy. Um, I think that it's about absolutely keeping that intensity there you know I think probably probably a a reflection on the the massive fall away in the intensity last season and Klopp wants to go completely the other way he wants us to have Mm -hmm. the capacity to absolutely batter teams relentlessly for the full ninety minutes and I think the only way you'll do that is to to be able to freshen up but you're basically talking about being able to change half your outfield players so that gives you real potential to um to, to do that, doesn't it? So I, I, I think I think that's, that, that is the thinking behind it. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we're gonna see. I hope it is anyway, because certainly, when you look at the number of young players, they need development opportunities. And I think, you know, even though we've got the Europa League, I think um, they, they're gonna need to be able to play against different opposition, different opponents, in different contexts, with different pressures, in order to move them forward as players. We've got so many young players who look like they could really be superb for us. But they're going to need game time, and I think the great thing about this is it allows them to get it. Um, mm-hmm. And we can we can chop and change and little bit horses for courses sometimes, but always maintaining that intensity. And I suppose that just feeds into the thing that Klopp loves, which is, you know, that that squad mentality. It's always about the squad, isn't it? You know, it he wants that that collective feeling amongst the players, and he doesn't want them sort of. Resenting each other for being in the team ahead of them and what have you um, and, and I think that the, the five subs very much allows that so yeah I'm pretty sure that's what we will see I just feel that uh, without going over old ground those options that we've got some great options in midfield and up front we haven't really got the same at the back um, I think there's, we, there's, as we've said previously there's a couple of issues at the back and, and you know that's kind of what I was touching on in my first points I think I hope that doesn't cost us um, I certainly hope they've got something lined up for January in order to, to make sure that we are okay at the back because otherwise I think I don't see any reason why we can't have a really good season
0: yeah yeah I think the, the you know the point you make about being able to make those five subs it's and the mentality of the squad it also allows you to keep everybody involved as well you know like yeah. there's yeah. there's you can keep that collective element aspect to it and you know um, keep everybody sharp at the same time like keep everybody match fit and ready to go and you know ready to come in and make an impact at all times because there's nothing worse than if you know you're expecting somebody to come off the bench and do something and they haven't played for a month like the only person who could really do that is Divock yeah <laughs> and you know and he's gone now so um yeah I, I really like that another two and it, it it does for me sort of validate the idea when everybody was kicking off over the summer about why we aren't going all in to get the six, and it may, you know, it might have been a happy accident because of the amount of time we spent chasing those high-profile, um, those high-profile type of players. But if it is a happy accident, or if it's a deliberate strategy, I do think it's going to benefit us in the long run. Um, and you know, of course, if you're talking about making five subs, allows you to change half of the outfield players. It certainly does, but you're not necessarily going to really, unless you're forced to change center, change the center backs anyway. So it's you're looking at five of eight. Really, yeah, yeah uh, which is yeah, which point. is huge. So, um, so Dave, you know, Dave, we've had we've had four games, four sort of like up and down games, really, a little bit of everything. We're on beating ten from twelve. We're starting to see the ideas come to fruition. Like, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how good are you feeling about this emerging Klopp two side?
1: Uh, well, it's easy to say after the, the you know the the most recent game was Villa, so it's easy to say, oh yeah. Like an eight or yeah. a nine, uh, but that is where I'm at at the moment. Before the Villa game, it would have been lower than that. So don't want to put too much stock in just one performance. But I think the the, the three games previous to that, I don't think there's that much that you could take from it because we're still tinkering with things. And you know, even like the Villa game, Trent's was was different to what it had been in previous games. You know, he was more stepping into centre back rather than in higher up in midfield. And he was just pinging those passes like Joel was going out to right back, Trent getting on the ball in the middle and playing balls over the top. Not going to be able to do that every game because not every team is going to play the way Villa played, which, you know, it just it played right into our hands, I thought. Uh, so it's going to be more difficult against other opponents. I mean, I can't see Wolves playing the way Villa did. I'd imagine they'll be deeper. Won't be as much, much space for Mo and Darwin to be running in behind. Uh, so we're still figuring out what it's going to be and I, I think it's like too early in the process to to know exactly what it's going to look like in say 3 months time but there's a lot to feel good about and you know i, I do think like we're still tinkering with things and figuring out what works against what what kinds of opponent what doesn't work what do we need to tweak so it's it's just a, an evolving process but if you're looking at it just in terms of like the personnel that we've got and the age profile of them now, you know, the, the age of the squad's come right down. Uh, we've got loads of players in that like 23, 24 um, age bracket, which we didn't really have before. So you can see like the makings of of this new team, if you like. And we still need to get a younger in, in like centre back position, for example, or we've got Kanate. But you look in three years' time, how many of these like players we've got now are going to be core players? I think quite a lot of them. You know, we're still gonna we're gonna need to like replace Virgil and Mo, but most of these players you think are probably still going to be a, a core part of the team in like two three seasons' time. So yeah, there's a lot to feel good about. But I do think we're just kind of at the start, um, in terms of what this team's going to be tactically, we're still figuring it out. I mean, like I say, the Villa game was different to the the previous games. We might have a game in a, in two, three weeks' time where we look at it and go, well, that's completely different again. So I do think there's going to be a lot of like mm-hmm. tweaks and stuff just to, to figure out how to get the best of, of all the players that we've got. But may as well get on to this now because I definitely wanted to talk about it, so I'm just going to throw it in now. I want to talk about Darwin. You'll be surprised to know now the reason i want to talk about them is just because of that villa game specifically and there's things that happened in that game that it's way above our heads we would never have been able to like pick it out by watching it i mean when you talk about like pressing and couch pressing and all that stuff a lot of it like when you're just watching from the stands you're not looking at like patterns of players and who's going where and are they all like Working together, you're too wrapped up in the game to be like looking at it from that perspective. So, with the pressing, you'll see a player like go charging off and he might knock it out for the throw in, like block the challenge, whatever. And you think, Oh, yeah, you know, he's working really hard, he's pressing well. That didn't really happen with Darwin in that game, but then the stats have come out afterwards. Like the people who keep track of all of this stuff, and like the, there is specific stats based on like pressing. And Darwin had, like, the highest score since, like... I think it was Anfield... Um, Anfield Index, is it? I don't know. There's, like... Um, I've seen it on Twitter. Like, they had, like... They, they keep records of all of this stuff. And since they started doing it, Darwin had the highest individual score for, like, you know, a forward in that in that category. And i seen something else where his, like, his press success was, like, 94%. And, again, that was, like, right up there with, like the best that you're ever gonna see from anybody. And it's like, well, so much for oh he can't he's too thick to learn the press. That's why he's not playing. Well if he's capable of doing that, now maybe it's not going to be like that every game because we obviously had like a clear plan. Everybody could see in that game, like the target for the press was that Pau Torres lad. Like when he got the ball that was when like the, the pressure was put on them. It might not always be like that. you know. They'll have a different plan for each game. But the fact that he was able to come in and do exactly what they wanted them to do on that side of things, it's like, well, that was the reason why people were saying he wasn't starting. So if he can do that, combined with everything else that he's bringing to the table, he's not going to have any problems getting in the team. Um, so that was like the, the... I mean, I thought he played well in that game. You know, he's, he's had like... I'm still saying he had a goal, but if you want to take that off, I mean, it's two assists then, fair enough. Um, constant threat. And then you look what he did like in the highlights from the Uruguay Chile the other night. I mean, that was just fucking sensational. The highlights package, I'm watching that and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> if we were about to sign this player, everybody yeah. would be like, fucking hell, get him in yeah. now. He looked yeah. unbelievable. He just fucking ran riot. And I feel like he's, he's absolutely just brimming with confidence now and all stemming from like that Newcastle game he's flying now, the peacock's flying and if he can press as well as do all the other stuff that he's doing not a problem, he's going to be in the team for the rest of the season, he's going to get 30 goals and I'm going to be completely vindicated in everything I've said and okay. some some people are going to be having to do a serious bit of backtracking <coughs> Chris <Fair enough. coughs> <Fair enough. coughs> Julian
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, th- I was hoping it would be a little bit later in, in the question section when we get on to... Uh, oh, I'll on get to the it Darwin then as stuff. well. All right, fair enough.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm not finished. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: just segueing back into the Klopp the 2.0 stuff, uh, Paul, and Darwin most certainly plays into this because it, it, it kind of... It, it sort of feeds into the standard that he's been judged on um, so far, but the the issue that this clock 2.0 side faces i think is the lack of, the 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 clear separation between the 1.0 and the 2.0 it's it's a very clear divide now because the turnover of players has been quite fast now you look at say maybe 75 let's say like 76 to when to when kenny took over like you don't really look at that 10 year period of uh, as like eras right the continuity was so great Mm. both from within and the way that we it was one in Mm. one out you know that was just like a 10 year period where it was like that liverpool side the paisley side and then like the fagan the fagan year or whatever and then we had this sort of clear break into kenny's team where barnes beardsley and aldridge came in and you could sort of say that that was like that was a different team for for this team, we had sort of like five or six years of it being mostly the same lads with a couple of good additions along the way, like maybe a four year period from um, getting Virgil and Allison to the beginning of last season. Um, now this, it, you know, it, it's changed so much. The personnel is so different. And if you look at that great Klopp team, the first one, we we would all say that you'd look at that team and there'd be like nine players maybe that we'd pick in the Premier League eleven. Like th- these lads have got some way to go, and they- and it's going to be some feat for them to come even close to how good that team was. I think.
2: I mean, yeah, but that's also you've got to remember what you're comparing to. You know, they got what was it in a twelve month period? They got a hundred and four points out of a hundred and ten. That team. Mm-hmm. Um, that one of the greatest putting up points totals that just uh, you know apart from the cheats no one's ever got anywhere near that it's just ridiculous what that team did but the flip side of it for me is that i think i wonder if the, the kind of that that horrendous year last year in some senses just pressed reset on everybody on the fans on the players on Klopp. it made everybody just stop and think right we've got to we've got to change i mean we we've, we've actually done more business this summer than, than we were to do and i think that's a good thing I was concerned last season the Klopp wouldn't be ruthless enough and on one level you could argue maybe that he wasn't although it transpires after um, Henderson's horrendous interview car crash of an interview the Klopp was actually more than happy for Hendo to go really certainly didn't put any, didn't say anything to dissuade him from, from leaving so you could argue that maybe he accelerated things for Henderson to leave but he, he couldn't have foreseen that the Saudis were going to come in he wasn't trying to um, encourage that move or instigate that move in the first place, um, but I do wonder if what this has actually brought us to in a roundabout way is what Klopp is absolutely his very best at, which is development. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, you know, I think that, you know, for all that he is, in my opinion, the best manager in the world. I think he is better than Guardiola um, when you look at the resources that he's had to work with and the clubs that he's that he's managed, the the way players. Drop off a million miles after they leave him in virtually every instance. Uh, Despite the fact that he's the best in the world and, and the fact that he's, you know, in the latter stages of his career, he's still got things to learn and maybe he has learnt a few things last season. Maybe it's made him stop and reflect and think about, you know, how he's doing his job and what he needs to do differently. And he certainly looks fired up to me. He certainly seems to have doubled down on, you know, intensity, on attacking football. Um, but also I think w- w- what I like most about him in terms of the way he leads is that kind of that sort of paternalistic attitude that he has he's kind of like what, what does he say he's their friend but he's not their best friend Yeah. and I think young players respond really well to that you know he's, he can be honest with them he can tell them some home truths but there's no grudges held it's once it's said it's done and then as long as the player responds crack on I think these young lads will really really buzz off that and there's enough smatterings of classy experience around them to To just about carry them along when it comes to those moments where you, you need that kind of winners mentality. And some of those winners are not old men. You know, you've got Trent, serial winner. You've got Robbo, serial winner. Both still in their twenties. Um, so there's, I think there's a there's a decent balance to the team. So I feel really excited about what might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think we're in a position where um, I, I certainly think they're thinking quite radically tactically again. I think he's always at his best when he's trying to innovate when he feels like he's got to catch up with other people, other clubs, when he feels like other clubs are getting away from him, I think he responds well to that. Um, and I, I think, in retrospect, I don't think I would have chosen any of the players that we signed in the summer, if you were asking me six months ago. Um, but in retrospect, I think all of them make sense in the context of what we're seeing now, the way we're, we're starting to, the way we're playing and the, and the, the freshness about, about the squad. So... Yeah, I, 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 and I think I throw the likes of Darwin in there as well. It feels almost like it's a clean, a clean, a fresh start for Darwin as well. Um, you know, and even people like Gakpo and Diaz—they've only really been here ten minutes, and they were playing in a team that was pretty much broken, a squad that was broken last season. So it, there's a real kind of like revitalised energy around the club this, this this start of this season, and I, I think it's great to see.
1: Just yeah. a quick point on on that as well, though, Paul. When you said about. Um... Well, it was Chris said about the you know the points that the other team got and you know can we live up to that? I don't think we have to live up to that. I mean if we do, amazing. But that's like the greatest Liverpool team I've seen. Like what they were doing was just completely like we hadn't none of our teams had ever achieved like what they did. Now, they might not have the trophies to show for it, but we know why that is and it's nothing to do with us. So expecting this team to be as good as that team they're probably not gonna reach that level. Maybe they do, and surprises, which would be amazing. But even if they don't, it's not about that for me anymore. It's like I'm looking at that last year and and how shit it was and how miserable it was watching. I just want us to be back looking like us again. Uh, yeah. you looking forward to going the game, knowing you're gonna see like a really good, exciting team scoring yeah. goals, just yeah. entertaining. Yeah, and if they come up short because you're up against cheats up the road, well then fine. You know what I can't accept is like finishing below like a dog shit Man United team which is like what's happened last year and finishing below Newcastle it's like no that that should not be happening that needs fixing now so it looks like we're on the right track there and maybe maybe not with Arsenal we might finish above Arsenal we might not I don't know I feel like the two teams are relatively close at the moment Um, City look like they're going to be out on their own again who knows I mean injuries can play a big part and stuff like that but I just I want us to just be up there again and I want to be able to watch us and go yeah this is a really good team I like watching this team you know and and look forward to watching the match anything above that is like is a bonus really and I I think that's like the I've got no doubt that we will achieve that you know you can see Mm -hmm. already this is going to be a fun team to watch and that's like the, the start of the process for me and then where we go from there remains to be seen
0: yeah i think my point there was more like just that's the standard that they're going to be judged against rather yeah. than it'll be a failure if they don't hit those standards right um anything else that strikes you so far paul about this new this new sort of clop era and and what we're doing and and how we're going to accomplish what we set out to
2: I mean, I think the only the only other thing I'd add is I, what I really hope is that Klopp is so revitalised by this um, new team that he's building that he extends again and he makes it a real dynasty. And what I'd really like to see is I'd like to see him in this league without Guardiola because I think even though City are cheats and even though they continue to spend at the level that they've spent and they cont- continue to generate money From a position that they got to illegally, I think you take Guardiola away from there. I don't really see anyone else coming in, yeah, and getting them punching at the heights they've punched at. So what I'd like to see really is another—I mean, you know—another four or five years from this point with Klopp to really see how far he can take this group. So I think uh, what I hope is that he gets really, really bitten by the bug because I think all that stuff about you know. Hansi Flick losing his job and the German FA won Klopp. Well, yeah, we we've all, we, you know we all want things we can't have. Hmm. Um, I, I I I don't think I don't think Klopp is at the moment at this moment in time even got half an eye on that Germany job. I think he's he's focused on this job in hand and then he'll when he when he feels it's the time to finish, he'll then take a break and decide what he wants to do next. But what I want to happen is is that he feels so invigorated. By having all these exciting young players around him that he wants to all the way through to um to its logical conclusion. And and that might involve replacing Mo, replacing Virgil, and bringing in top young players there as well, which means that really it's looking about as being at the at the outset of a maybe a four or five year project. Um <laughs> and, and, and and that that feels exciting to me. You know, there's so many green shoots um there. You know, you can even look at, you know, even someone like Ben Doak. He's done almost nothing in the first team at all, but the just the sense that there's a player as 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 explosive and as exciting as that waiting in the wings, potentially able to come into this squad and be coached by Jurgen Klopp. You know that just for me, that's it goes back to what Dave was saying about you just want to really enjoy the season, enjoy going to the game again, Um, and 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 I, I think Klopp is is. Pretty emotional guy, like most of us Reds are, and I think I want him to get bitten by the same bug that I think you know. I feel like I've been bitten by again. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like the good times are, are starting to come back, and by good times, I don't necessarily mean winning everything this season or winning anything this season. I don't rule out winning a trophy this season. But what I mean is what Dave was saying about so you go the game, you watch great footy, it's exciting. We score goals, we have plenty of points, we have some real big moments. Um, well, that that's that's what I want to see.
1: Well said.
0: Do you think he might extend, Dave?
1: Um, yeah, based on what Paul was saying there, I mean, there's a lot of logic mm-hmm. in it. You know, mm-hmm. why why wouldn't you? You know, I know he's got his plan and he's already probably gone longer than he wanted to. He didn't want to leave in the middle of a rebuild and leave a difficult job for his successor. I get all that. But it's like... So, like, when you're playing footy manager and it's going really well and then the new footy manager comes out, it's like just stop the game that's doing really well to get the new version of it now some people do I've still got a game of footy manager 2014 on the go and I've I, I've <laughs> bought a couple since and I've just not bothered with it because I've built something with Portsmouth on 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 like <laughs> FM14. And I'm like, do I really want to walk away from this hard work that I've put in and this great team I've (laughs) built? Do I really want to walk away from this and and start somewhere else? Now, everybody's different, you know, and and like some people want a fresh challenge or whatever, but just what Paul said there, it's like it just makes a lot of sense. If this team is not quite like at the level that, that they were before, but they're getting there, is he really going to say, yeah, I'm going to hand this over to someone else and I'm, I'm going to walk away? Or is he going to think, I want to get as much as I can out of this team. I want to take them to like the highest heights I can possibly get them to. I think there's a decent chance that he, he would stay if this team is progressing the way he would want it to. Now, I think where it might change is like, let's say, for example, I know it's not going to happen, but if we won everything this year and then like next year won a Champions League, well, Klopp then is probably like, what more can I going to do, you know, my it's like the old Hossami Istanbul things, like, you know, my work here is done and then and then he's off. So it that would make me think, yeah, he'll walk away. But if we're still growing and just edging towards like the big trophies, I don't think he walks away from that and lets somebody else come in and take over. I think he'd want to see it through.
2: Can I just it's just a too... final small point on that, Chris? Just a very very yeah, yeah. quick point. Just to exemplify what Dave's saying there, I am convinced that the only person who's probably more excited by Darwin than Dave is Klopp.
1: No, I reckon no, not. Klopp
2: looks at Darwin. I reckon <laughs> Klopp looks at Darwin, and he thinks, oh, I've, I've, "I've developed, I've worked with all these world-class forwards that I've worked with over the years, and this lad can be as good as any of them." And I think he really—that is what motivates him. You know he didn't he didn't take a pay rise did he when he signed his last extension I mean have you ever heard of that before no he made ever. sure the
1: staff got it instead yeah he, the, the rise he so got got divided I mean, up between the staff he's
2: very well uh, he's very well paid but he just wasn't motivated by more money what he what he's motivated by is is the joy of the pleasure of the job and I, I, I think he feels that
0: yeah right that's good stuff all right enjoyed that um so should we get on to some questions then yeah from, let's go from the, from the listeners yeah nice because yeah. you covered some
2: good ground there i think do you mind if we just talk a little bit about hendo chris please in the in the context of the interview that he gave to the athletic because I, I just think it's mm-hmm. something we should touch on Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely um, go ahead sound on. nice
2: one i mean i think i, I don't want to go over too much too much old ground but i think if you were trying to plan how to absolutely destroy your reputation as a liverpool legend with the fans, you'd be hard-pressed to do a better job than Henderson has done after that interview. I mean, it's absolutely Mm -hmm. mind-boggling to me that he's gone into that so ill-prepared, so naive in terms of his answers, so lacking in empathy with so many of the fans, just so embarrassingly, inanely idiotic when it comes to Mm -hmm. A fundamental understanding of the way the world works. You know, I, I just... I, it just... And on every level, it was a car crash. And I think those journalists... Um, were... Crafton uh, and Ornstein, the reason why they published the transcript of it is because I think they felt if they'd added any sort of copy in there in order to frame the interview, there, there would be accusations that they'd made it worse in some way. They recognised yes, it was so... It? so horrendous that they didn't want to look like it had been a stitch-up. They wanted yeah. their questions, they wanted it to be verbatim so that people could see that they'd given him every opportunity to not hang himself, and he hung himself. Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, my biggest takeaway from the whole thing is, is this, really, is that you paint yourself as somebody who cares about a very, very, very important issue in contemporary society. I'm talking specifically about the sexuality Gender identity, LGBTQ plus um, issue, the rainbow campaign, all of that. There's other issues at stake as well, of course, about other human rights in, in Saudi and what have you, and, and the, the bits he got into about Qatar. But I'm thinking specifically around his stance around rainbow laces, rainbow armbands, trying to be an ally, and it's just so bad that he let so many people down. I mean. Do you know, is there, are there any of us who haven't got fr- gay friends or family or loved ones anymore? I mean, is there anybody who doesn't have someone important to them in their life that is, that is LGBTQ plus whatever? And I just think, I, I don't understand how we can take that position and then let everybody down in such a fundamental way. This is a country where you can, be, you can be put to death for being gay and the guy just seems bewildered by the response as though it was just some sort of pr switch he could flick on and flick off and i just think i am struggling to remember a time when i've ever been so i don't i wouldn't say let down because at 52 i don't think you invest so much emotionally in the idea of heroism that you did when you were younger I mean, the equivalent when I was a kid would be Kenny, but Kenny's never let us down, has he? That's why Kenny's Kenny. He's passed every single football and managerial moral test that was ever put in front of them with flying colours. That's why Kenny's the greatest, why he's a legend, the greatest red there's ever been. But I, I was absolutely stunned at the just the brazen failure to be any sort of moral person whatsoever from Henderson. You know, to paint yourself as this individual who understands where our societies are and to, to just crumble at the first selfish hurdle is stunningly, stunningly bad. It's just really, really shocking. And I, I just think he's burnt any bridges whatsoever with Liverpool as a club. Um, the idea that he could come back here one day, I think, is absolutely. I don't mean as a player or in any sort of role. I mean just to even show his face, to come back and be an All ambassador, right. or to come back and have some sort of, you know, ambassadorial role at the club to even, to come back for a testimonial. Although they seem to be a thing of the past, that, that to me is absolutely dead, and it's just so sad. Who who has he got working for him that thought that was a good idea to go into that interview? The thing is, probably the worst thing I've seen anyone associated with Liverpool do in a long, 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 long time. It's as bad as anything I've seen for a long time. Horrendous and really, really disappointing.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't really add anything to that um, other than to say, uh, brilliantly put, by the way, um, really, really good. I can't really add anything to that other than say I completely agree with you. But what it's done for me personally is remove... Any element of sadness I had about him leaving mm-hmm. and the way it happens, like mm-hmm. he's bas- he's basically made himself irrelevant. Like you know, I've there's there was there was Tinges, and you know, I, I he was my favourite player of this era. I've been mocked several times for saying that. But, Are you sure you know, Suarez? It, he was. <laughs> he pretty much was. Yeah, he pretty much was. He's turned out to be just as bad as Suarez, oh. unfortunately. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like. I, I had this I'm sat at my desk and I'm recording the pod with you guys and to my left I had a framed picture of, of him kissing the European Cup which my sister bought me a few years ago and um you know I, I've always had a little gaze at and smile and then like I sent a picture to Dave and Jules the other day I'm having a bit of a clear out of my office and we're decorating and stuff and that picture's just like on the floor with like a bunch of other trash and it you know did I have a little bit of a tinge uh, yeah I, I suppose I did but Fuck him, you know. Like he's he's removed that element, which is really yeah. sad in its own way. Yeah. You know, like it's just made it made sure nobody really cares about him anymore. It's
1: given you closure.
0: Yeah, I'd, maybe so. Yeah, that's probably what I'm looking for.
1: I I just I agree with everything Paul said there. Obviously, it's like that's you know it goes without saying. Um, my take from it really was he's thick as fuck. I had no idea how fucking thick he yeah. was genuinely had no idea he was that fucking stupid
0: i don't think he's thick i think he's self, just self-centered uh, just, they're just self-absorbed to an unreal it. amount
1: but yeah but some of the stuff that he come out with i'm like that's like like the amnesty international stuff was mind-blowing that like it's <laughs> i mean for people who haven't read the interview basically he was asked about um speaking out uh when he on england duty He spoke out about the World Cup being in Qatar and, you know, the human rights issues over there and the people who died building the stadiums, the conditions for the workers, all of that stuff. And he said, like, before he went out to the press conference, he was given, like, photographs and, like, information, which he said he thinks came from Amnesty International, about, like, the conditions that workers had 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 to... um, You know, be subjected to and that, and how people had died building these stadiums. And he said, like, seeing it, and I went out and I said, you know, this is absolutely outrageous. It's not acceptable, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, but when we got over there, they introduced us to some workers, and it wasn't (laughs) like that. And I'm like, seriously? seriously you don't think that they've just brought over like some people who had a good experience of working on it and gone look see it's not that bad i'm like oh my god that was that was just mind-blowingly thick that he came out with that but i think like we could easily do two hours just talking about that interview because as paul said it was absolutely incredibly bad on every level i would i would go as far as to say if he'd have answered every question that he was he was he was asked. If he'd have answered it in a, the exact opposite way than he did, he'd have come out of that looking much better than, than he does. If he'd have just said the exact opposite of what he did, it wouldn't have been nothing's gonna make it acceptable what he did, but like it, the answers he's made, it's like it was almost as though this happened like a couple of months ago and yeah we were pissed off at the time and most people think less of him as uh, as a result of it but i wouldn't say it was forgotten but we'd sort of moved on from it and it was like okay Mm -hmm. whatever you've made your bed lie in it. and then what has possessed him to think obviously it's because he's playing for england and he's thought i've got to do some you know um i've got to repair some of the damage here and somehow he thought that like that interview was going to like help him in some way and all it's done it's just it's brought him like to the the top of the news cycle everybody was talking about it and none of it was favorable you know not just like wasn't just a liverpool fan thing you know i had like uh, when i'm in the car and i've talk sports on a few of the shows throughout the day were talking about it and none of it was was like good from henderson's point of view he was getting just slaughtered by everybody for it And the thing is, there was so much in that interview. It was difficult to know which part to pick out and and rip into him for (laughs) because it was literally the whole thing. It was like every (laughs) single answer he gave. You could spend like 15 minutes talking about that answer and and how ridiculous it was. And it's to do with like, he's trying to repair the brand. And I've I've seen this with golfers. Some of the golfers did. I mean, I put on Twitter, like he's completed live golf bingo with some of the quotes, (laughs) grow the game. Not about the money, you know. Um, change from within. Change from within. Yeah, it was. It was all of that. It was all. It, it's as though they're just giving a, a list of sound bites and saying, "Look, these are the things you need to say, and it'll make people understand like what what you've done." And it doesn't. It just makes you look and go, "No, you're an even bigger cunt than I thought you were." You know, it's it was. What <laughs> when he went, it was like it was bad. I had like I definitely thought less of him, but ultimately, it was like he's taking the money. That that's what it's come down. He took the money and sold out like whatever views he he he, maybe he genuinely did feel that way and the money just eclipsed that. You know, the money was more important than his morals. Or maybe like he just jumped on a bandwagon because it's it got him an MBE. You know, who knows what what he really thinks about these things. But bottom line was he just got made an offer. Like they say everybody's got a price, they met his price and he and he went. Now, if he'd come out and said that he would have just been telling us what we already knew. And I don't think people would have thought less of him. They would have just thought the same, that they already thought, yeah, he's, he's taking the money. If he'd have mm-hmm. just said, look, it was just, at this stage of my career, it was so much money, I couldn't turn that down because it's generational wealth and you know, I'm setting up like my kids, 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 and all, all of that stuff. He could have come out and said all that. And whether you agree with it or not, you would understand his thinking. and am going, okay, yeah. he's basically, he's just took the money. And some golfers did that, and in others went down the Henderson route and the ones who went down that route, most people just look at them, and go, You fucking dickheads. But the golfers you just went, Yeah, that's just like a load of money. And I'm working less hours. It's a, it's like it's a it's a less stressful life for me and a hell of a lot more money. I couldn't say no to that. And most like golf fans have just gone, whatever, you just get on with it. You know, you you just yeah. do whatever you're doing. Don't really care. But the ones who've tried to justify it have made themselves look so much worse. And Henderson's like whoever's advised them I mean, <laughs> it's it could not have made things worse for himself than with that interview. And as Paul said, you know, they basically just gave him enough rope to hang himself. I, I reckon, like, the two journalists were probably not expecting that. They Definitely were probably thinking he would give like answers that were a bit challenging to them and he'd have to maybe yeah. try to get stuff out of them. Mm-hmm. They probably were just sitting back going, Oh my god, this is fucking gold. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we we can just let him talk here. Yeah. We don't even really need to, to to do too much. It wasn't a challenge for them. It was so easy because he's he's just so thick. But you've got to wonder who told him to do that interview? Did he make that decision well, himself? Or was it I mean, Trent brothers agent. Was it Trent's brother saying, you know, you might want to do this interview at the Athletic, and and the fact like that they, they chose a gay journalist as well, so Wait, that was, that was make Henderson it look, apparently.
2: Henderson requested Adam Crafton.
1: See, that's like that in itself is like, does he think that that's going to make it like not as bad? And I, I just, I don't know. It was the whole thing was an absolute car crash, and I just, I just can't believe that like he's as stupid as he actually is, and to try to say that it wasn't about the money. You know, people think I just got off at this massive salary, and I thought, yeah, I'm going. Oh, well, that's not it. No, it was it. That was exactly it. Because if it was anything yeah. else, you why you what? So if it's about a, a new challenge, you go. You know what? I think I'm going to go to the other side of the world and play in front of three thousand fans every home game. <laughs> Who does that? If it wasn't about the money, what he should have done? He should have got on the phone to Sunderland, and said, look, I'd really like to come home. And I'll take a salary like a championship salary. I'm not going to come in and demand like money that you can't afford because I know the history of the club and how you've got in trouble with paying too much. I'll come in and I'll be on the same salary as like the other lads. If that was what it was about, because what kind of you know that would be like the perfect challenge for them, to go there and help Sunderland get back up to the Premier League because they've got a chance. By the way, they've got a brilliant young team. Like the old they've got one player who's twenty-nine and then pretty much the rest of the teams twenty-one and under. They've got loads of teenagers in the team. The thing they're lacking is a Jordan Henderson. He could have gone back there and been like, you know, the the homecoming hero, helped them get into the Premier League. What a what a great way to end a fantastic career where you've been seen as like, you know, a great fella as well as like, you know, a, a really good footballer. And he's blown that just because he got offered a load of money. And for him to say it wasn't about the money, that just makes it so much worse. Because as thick as he is, he thinks we're thick as well. If he thinks we're gonna swallow all of that bullshit. He went for the money. That's the same reason why everyone who's gone over there has gone for the money. It's not I don't know why like they feel ashamed in saying that, because it is what it is. Everybody knows it. You just look worse when you try to deny it. All
0: right. Fair enough, good stuff agreed <laughs> i do think there's a certain amount of like um less about being stupid more about just being overwhelmingly self-absorbed in all of the stuff that he came out with about well the club didn't want me anymore and... well yeah
1: there's that too I, I, we need no. to touch on that actually because I, i've got thoughts on on how that plays out as well he's saying he's using that as justification for leaving oh nobody asked me to stay they didn't fucking need to ask you to stay you had two years left on a contract that Klopp went to bat for Michael Edwards basically quit because they were at loggerheads over whether he should get that deal Klopp fought for Henderson to get that four year contract he got that four year contract he still had two years left Klopp had already said to him what his role was going to be it's not like Klopp back down from what he said klopp told him what his role was it was going to be a reduced role he wasn't going to be starting all the time but he still has a big part to play and his ego couldn't handle that he thinks he's too good to, to take on the role that james milner like excelled in for so many years that's the problem and i'm saying if anybody had have asked me to stay i would have done well that's an easy thing to say we don't know whether he, he would have done or not but the point is It wasn't down to anybody at Liverpool to say, oh, please stay. He Mm -hmm. he was talking to them behind Liverpool's back. The the Saudis approached Henderson. Gerrard was was asking him to come and play and all that. All of this was done before they put in any kind of bid for him. So they got the deal done with Henderson. And then they've got to try to agree a fee. And let's not forget, they wanted a free transfer to begin with. They thought that we'd just let him walk out. Well, if we were just desperate to get rid of him, we would have just let him walk out. But we, we were like, no... He's an important player. He's worth something. So we were holding out for a fee because it wasn't just a case of, oh, great, here's an offer for him to fuck off. We can get him off the wage bill. Nobody was forcing him out. Now, I do think Klopp was more than happy with the deal that he got. And it's like it it solved the problem, in a sense, of not having to make the decision of when do you move Henderson on, when do you move Fabinho on. His hand was forced, but I don't think he was unhappy about that. But that's not the same thing as what Henderson's trying to make out. It was not down to anybody at Liverpool to ask him to stay. He was under contract. That's all that they needed to say to him is like, you've got two years left on your contract. No one's forcing you out. It's up to you what you want to do. So he's been talking to the Saudis. He gets this like massive contract offer. And then he goes to Klopp and he says, Look, I've got this offer and and like what I was told was Klopp said to him, Yeah, brilliant offer for you and your family. Good luck. Now if I'm Klopp, at, at this point, I'm already thinking, fuck off. You know, you've been talking to these. You've come into the office to tell me about this offer you've got. And we'd already been reading this stuff. Don't forget, like, every day there was a briefing here and there about Henderson's, like, um, extremely tempted by this offer. Because initially, when it when it first got mooted, we all laughed it off and went as if Henderson's going to Saudi Arabia. And then the longer it goes... And this is all before, like, they'd, they'd made an approach to Liverpool. This was like them approaching Henderson... We already knew that he was going. It had already been like put out there. Oh, he's going to take the offer. And then he goes to Liverpool and Klopp's like, yeah, good offer. You know, good luck to you and your family. Thanks for everything you've done. Because why should Klopp say to him, I don't want you to go. Please stay? Fuck off. He'd already made up his mind. He wanted to take the money. And you just go, you know what? Yeah, Klopp will never, ever make anybody stay who doesn't want to be there. It's not how he operates. So as soon as Henderson got his head turned, Klopp was like, yep, see you later, out the door. That's not the same thing as forcing him out, which is how he tried to portray it. He was told what his role was going to be. He saw his arse over it, and then he started talking about like to the Saudis about getting a move over there because he wasn't going to play. And he was telling people as well, he was like, I'm not going to play. You know, this is why I need to go because I'm not going to play. Yeah, you are going to play. You're just not going to start every fucking game. And let's not forget, anytime he played twice a week, He was dog shit. You know, when he was playing once a week, he still looked like Henderson. But if he was having to play too much football, he, he was just, it passed him by. He couldn't do it. So Klopp was actually doing him a favour by reducing his role. He was extending his career at Liverpool, mm-hmm. and he chose not to extend his career. Like James Milner extended his career for like probably three years minimum at Liverpool by accepting that role and excelling in that role, embracing it. And everybody thinks the world of James Milner. And James Milner, Klopp wanted James Milner on the pitch. At the end of every game we played, whether that was a game where we were struggling and we needed them to come on and you know use like his experience to get everyone going, or if it was a game where we were winning and we needed to see it out, and Milner comes on and he's committing like smart files and he's like winning set pieces and you know wasting time just being the wily old pro. Henderson could have had that role and he didn't want it because he thought he was too good for it. And in the meantime, we lost James Milner because fucking Henderson. No, that's that's the other thing. He's fucked Milner over by all of this. If he'd have just said at the end of the season, yeah, I want to go, we could have kept Milner. We could have given Milner another year and he could have carried on in the role that he's had. Because Milner would still have had a part to play with like all these young players that we've got coming in now. And I, I, I miss James Milner, just I'm thinking. He yeah. could have still been really invaluable. Not just Definitely. off the pitch either, but you know coming on as a sub for like last 15, 20 minutes, whatever. But we've lost that. Because of Jordan Henderson, basically, because the club were never going to keep the two of them. Like Klopp said that he wanted to keep Milner, whether he did or not, who knows. But he was saying, you know, he he said to Milner, "I want you to stay," but the club didn't offer a contract, which you can understand. They did. They were like, "Well, we've got Jordan Henderson. Why do we need Milner as well? We've got two of those experienced midfielders. We only need one because we need to get younger." So Henderson doing what he did cost us James Milner as well.
0: All right. Fair enough. All right, feel good moving on? Yep. Yes. Good stuff. A well-earned drink of water after that one, Dave. Yep. My <laughs> mouth's a little dry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members-only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media, at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. So we've got some questions from the listeners, some from the forum, some from... Twitter. Um, I'll start with you, Paul Fowler's God on the forum. Uh, he's he's brought up the Brendan Rodgers envelope situation um, from that being right. Liverpool documentary all those years ago, and he said if there uh, if you had if you had an envelope in your hand right now, would it? Who would your three players be for a brilliant season, and who would be the one who was going to let you down? Right. It's okay. Um,
2: well, I think me three. Are pretty easy at the moment. I mean, the first one is Darwin. I think Darwin is just gonna he's not he's not quite there yet, but all the signs are there to me that he's gonna have an absolutely sensational season. We we obviously need to see it really come to fruition. We've seen some strong, strong hints and we've seen some amazing things from him. But when I when I talk about him having like just an incredible season, I mean like you know what Dave was talking about, 30 goals. Like battering everybody, scoring against the Manx, against City, against all the big, all the big opposition. You know, doing big performances and big games. But I think I think that's what we're gonna see from Darwin. Um, my second one is again pretty obvious from the first few games is Subasli. He just <laughs> looks incredible. He looks so exciting. He looks like he's got so much to his game, and and bizarrely only twenty two. He looks, he seems, and plays like he's much older than twenty two. Um, Physically, he's got the lot. Technique, um, he's strong. He's fast. He's just again looks really exciting. And I think also we're going to see more goals from him. I think he's going to score. I think the one he got the other, the one he got um, the other day is just the start. Really, I think we're going to see some absolute screamers from him. And then my third one in the uh, in those three envelopes is Trent. Um, I think I, I still say now. That I think he's probably the most underrated player around at any club I Twitter this morning of just some of his some of his passing over the last few seasons he is breathtakingly good outside of the foot wrapping his foot round it on the volley drilled ball over the top everything is just perfectly weighted and the pass is over 30, 40, 50, 60 yards He's just an absolutely incredible talent and far, far cleverer than people give him credit for, I think. I think he's a very, very, very intelligent footballer. Um, And The other thing that I really like about him is that he's a narc. He's really competitive. He hates to lose. And I think we're going to see Trent really rise into um, what I think is his um, understudying of the captaincy. This season. This is just a prelude to him taking it over, obviously. And I think we're gonna see a great season from Trent. In terms of the envelope with someone to let us down, um Virgil. Mm. Um now yeah, I, I, d- <laughs> I, I, I did I do wanna I, I do wanna temper that a little bit. I mean, all that I'm the man stuff has, has frustrated me. Um I, I was really, really pissed off with him over the red card and even more so uh, over his behaviour afterwards but I don't really want to go over all that again that's why I feel that Virgil is someone who might let us down but a couple of things have just given me a little bit of a pause for thought um, since subsequent to that the first is that I felt he actually came out with what in actual fact was quite a good apology um, when he got the second game Ban. He made a statement which seemed sincere, it seemed self-critical, it seemed to be taking responsibility um, and it seemed genuinely regretful and I thought that created a good impression with me. I thought okay fair enough, you've actually thought about what you've done, you've reflected there and you've, you've, you've acknowledged that you got it wrong. And the other thing is, it's only a small thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, uh, like I'm sure many of us are, the inside Anfield or the inside you know, whichever club we've been away to. Videos that come out on YouTube. LFC TV do them, and then they come out on YouTube a couple of days later. And on the last couple, um, being sent off against Newcastle and then Villa, where he was banned at the end of the game, allowed out into the pitch area, waiting for the players to come off, um, to just make a personal, have a personal connection with each one of them. Now after the after the Newcastle one, I saw that and that annoyed me even more. To me it seemed like he was belligerent. He was just thinking, Well, fuck you all, I got sent off and I shouldn't have been, and I'm still gonna kind of like show me face and I'm, I'm proud of proud of the way I conducted myself. But in actual fact seeing him do it after the villa game, I actually thought, this is a fellow who's thinking about his captaincy. This is a fellow who's thinking about connecting with these players and and, and and um being there for every single one of them. So he waited until the very last one came through. Everyone, he wanted to shake their hand, a little comment. And they weren't stopping to talk to him, they were walking past. Some of them were chatting. But he wanted to make that connection with every single player, and that impressed me. So I have got some big question marks about Virgil this season, but there's a couple of little green shoots that made me, th- made me think, oh, maybe, maybe it'll be okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Dave?
1: Um, yeah, I had Darwin and Subosley, and my third one was Alison. Um He's already started like the way he left off last season. Absolutely brilliant, most reliable player in the team. Um, so that was an easy one for me. Uh, really difficult in terms of who's going to let you down because I don't think, I don't think Virgil's going to let us down at all. I just I had to pick somebody, and I've picked Virgil because there's a possibility that he, he might not be the player like that he was. Um, I'm not convinced by that at all. And I read an interview with him the other day where he said it was, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically like he didn't play well last season, but he feels like this season he's, he feels he's playing well. You know, the red card was just one of those things, but he felt like he was playing. There was nothing wrong with his form up until like, you know, that that particular moment, but he felt like he'd done well in the previous two games um, I didn't think he was great at Chelsea there was a few red flags for me in that Chelsea game I thought he did play well against Bournemouth but I don't know if he feels within himself that he's playing better than he was last season that's that's reassuring so um, I don't feel good about putting Virgil as the, the one to let me down at all and I I'm, don't think he will but if I had to pick somebody who might that's the only one I could really come up with to be honest
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, I'll just go through mine quickly. I have Soppa Sly, Alison and Salah as my three for a great season. I, I'm surprised neither of you have mentioned Mo. Well, I almost because... mentioned
1: him as the one to let us down.
0: Yeah. I just yeah. think. and
1: and it, But it's all, like, it's all relative. I don't think he'll have a bad season. It's just more so, you know, I don't think he's going to be great. And the standards that he set, I feel like he might, Dip below that a bit, but is that letting us down? No, I think that's just a natural progression, is like as he gets a bit older, so that's why I didn't pick him and I went with Virgil instead. But he wouldn't be in my top three, but fair play for you putting him in.
0: And the player I've got to let us down is Darwin. Oh, Oh. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I've, I've went back and forth, but and this is going to come across wrong, but I think the person who might, might actually be Trent. He might be the one who lets us down, because a lot is depending on him really excelling in this new system. A lot is expected of him in the um, the vice-captaincy role. If it doesn't work out, and it, and he doesn't grow into it, and he, he continues to not be asked about doing the defensive side of his role, then... It's not going to work, and that will be something that lets us down. And again, it was difficult because I don't want didn't want to pick anybody, um, but that's who I went with. See, that's um, you proving
2: my point there, mate. The most underrated player there is.
0: Yeah, pretty much, pretty yeah, much. I mean, know there's, there's no denying his talent at all. He's the, probably the most talented player in the squad. But no,
1: you've rationalised that, though. I think that's like a, a fair argument. Well, like whether I yeah, agree not, or not? Yeah, not unreasonable. Unreason- yeah, no, it's definitely not unreasonable. Hopefully, like. That's at the end of the season, like we all look like dickheads because Virgil's yeah, been great. great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not it's not necessarily like we're um I guess we're starting to see Brendan's rationale all these years later. <laughs> like <laughs> nine years later or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, no, none sh- of us sh- Stuart to was, was in all three envelopes for who was gonna <laughs> let him down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Dave, I'll come to you first. This one, this is also from the forum. Jimmy Hill's chin said, Which player from a different club would you have loved to see play for Liverpool? Pick one who has played in England and one who has played elsewhere. (laughs) But apparently, you can't have Richarlison twice, though.
3: Richarlison (laughs)
1: will definitely make another list, he won't be making this one. Uh, Well, outside of England, that's really easy. It would be Maradona. Uh, He's greatest love him even just one season of him playing here would have just been amazing and it would have made the best i've ever seen discussion a lot more difficult as it would mean suarez has got some genuine competition which he (laughs) hasn't at the moment so yeah definitely definitely maradona what a guy uh in terms of who's played in this country it's tricky because like there's obviously there's been some amazing players like Shearer back in the day thierry henry Um, I think though I'd say Kevin De Bruyne and not just because he's a great player which he obviously is and Boyard Red as well it would have been a nice story for him playing for us but if he was playing for us and not them those two years when we missed out by like a point Mm. you can flip Mm. that and and we'd basically have like three titles in a row if we'd have had De Bruyne so that, that would be my pick for that reason Okay. Cool. Um, so
2: players who've played in England, I really liked Carlos Tevez um, when he was a West Ham, and before that, prior to that. But really, in retrospect, he was a Suarez light, wasn't he? Yeah.
1: Um,
2: and and you know, once you've had Suarez, you don't want like the second fiddle. So the one I'd go for is Roy Keane, because I think if we'd had Roy Keane in the nineties both as a player and as a mentality and leader in the dressing room, Roy, Roy Evans would have won the league. Um, now, in terms of what that would have done to our subsequent history, who knows? But I think if you were to insert Roy Keane into that that young team of Fowler, McManaman, Redknapp, you had Barnes in there as well. That we, we know the team, that, that mid-90s team. I think they would have won the league. He would have given them enough to get them over the line. In terms of... Foreign players. Problem with me and Dave is we both like the same kind of footballers. Um, I, there's two for me. Mad South Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's two. There's two for me. Uh, there's there's Maradona, as Dave said, and and I know Dave doesn't like him, but uh, although I know he appreciates him as a player, is messy. Yeah. And I would have always, I would always lean towards the one who's, as Dave just said, the mad South American. So my choice would have been um, would have been Maradona. But I'll, I'll, let me say as Dave as Dave's taken Maradona, I'm gonna go Messi. Messi right. and any any great team, like levels above, which is bizarre when you think about the great teams that we've had. Uh, and the way we've dominated areas and we've dominated leagues and what have you. Um he is absolutely incredible. Um so my choice would have been Maradona, but as Dave's take because because I like that little bit of madness. Um, as well as the as well as the genius madness and genius you know two sides of the same coin and the best like maradona and suarez have got them both uh, but no i'll take Messi than as dave's taken maradona
1: hey paul did you know that maradona almost signed for sunderland in the late 70s no yeah if you google that it, would it have you been mad. i know there's not like a week goes by that my brother-in-law doesn't mention that to me like he's a seasoned older up there but, and he loves Maradona wow. as much as I do, but yeah, they it Sunderland tried to sign him in the uh in the late 70s, and there was a, a possibility of it happening at the time. But so, how, how old was he then, back. Dave?
2: What, what, what was we... that? Very late teens,
1: easy... uh, maybe 20 yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so was that signing him straight from, from Argentina? It was, was it? around a time when like our dealers and Ricky Villa went, went to Spurs, and English right. teams were looking at like bringing in like South American players wow. um, imagine yeah, that it was, it, apparently it was quite close to happening would have been amazing wouldn't it incredible Chris
2: um, are
0: yours? so you, I mean you guys this is why we should have longer production meetings before we start the podcast because you got both of mine in there like um I picked Roy Keane for most of the reasons Paul did that if that I think that signing would have been sort of a bit of a sliding doors moment for us really if we'd have if we could have kind of snuck him from under the noses of Man United at the time he came in um it's it would have been huge for us in terms of transforming the mentality of that whole team like spice boys would have never happened because he just yeah. wouldn't have allowed it like and as you say like Heart, his ability to, to have that young talent focused and like if you look at the impact he had on that mid-90s Man united team when you can't win anything with kids when those lads all came through right like your beckham your skulls is your neville brothers your Nicky Butt. the way he installed that helped to install that winning mentality and it while at the same time we had fowler mcmanaman macketeer bab like all those players colliemore all those players who were just more interested in fucking living the life than winning football matches he was the Ferguson as well. Don't get me wrong, but he was the prime difference maker between those two teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Just having his mentor and his quality, like we we lacked that steel in the in the middle of the park in that team big time. Like was we had like John Barnes and Michael Thomas playing centre midfield in that Cup final, I think, right against United in '96. So um, yeah, Roy Keane, um, far and away. If I can't have him, I'd probably go somebody like Desai. Like if we'd, we we just lacked like a top quality sort of like imposing dominant center half during that era. And I think he would have, in terms of transforming a good team into a winning team, he would have been a, a really good one for us as well. If we could have got him around like 96, remember he had that incredible World Cup in 98 and he was just, yeah. we and then there were rumours that... We We were linked. Yeah, there, exactly. And, and like, the, the yeah, like, didn't get on the, the plane. After the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get on the plane.
1: We were waiting for at the Air Force and he never boarded the plane, apparently. We thought and we were getting them.
0: I, I was like having seen him in the sat last... probably back
1: home eating fucking croissants, isn't he?
0: <laughs> oh, God. Or <laughs> we'll pay no chocolate.
2: Pay no chocolate, Dave.
0: It's surprising how <laughs> many questions we had asking for various pronunciations of, you, of, of your words. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let that happen more organically as it comes up. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the player that... Um, I would have liked to have seen. I wouldn't have said it until like a month ago because I had a, quite a low opinion of him for his Chelsea enabling behaviour. But mm-hmm. Messi, obviously, having seen him up close like five or six times in the last uh, couple of months, it's just it's just unbelievable. Like he, it, it's, he's everything that he's billed as and mm-hmm. a whole lot more as well. And just the, his transformational... I know it's the MLS, but the way he's just transformed the absolute worst team I've ever seen into playing in the top division into just... Like a, like a winning juggernaut already. I think that they haven't been beaten since he arrived. Um, I think they've won all but one of the games that he's been involved in and the other was a draw that they won on penalties. Um, so, so yeah, uh, it would be him. Um, but otherwise, I'd go with my same rationale of taking a 90s team that lacked a certain amount of solidity and making it a winner. Uh, someone like maybe like Costa Curta or something like that from outside of England. like just a fucking no-nonsense, quality, classy Italian centre-half.
1: Not Maldini? Um,
0: well, I mean, yeah, I suppose.
1: He'd be perfect now. Either we'll for or. like that yeah. left-sided yeah, yeah. centre-back role.
0: Yeah, it'd yeah, be brilliant. All right, so um, let's have a look here. Let's go down the list a little bit. This is a good one. Uh, Niall Smith on Twitter, Paul, says that, uh, obviously, you've heard of the term... You've heard of the golfing term mulligan. If you could have a mulligan for Liverpool, what game would you pick to play over again with a better result? It would be
2: the first Champions League, Klopp's first Champions League final against Madrid, mm. when uh, that assault and battery was committed on Mo, and on Carrius, and on Carrius, uh, yeah, and we ended up losing. I I, I just felt that I I, I that we started that game really well. And I, I felt that we were cheated out of it, really. I think subsequent games against Real Madrid were different. Subsequent defeats against them, although not all of them, but subsequent defeats were different. But that day, I think we were ripped off. Um, and and that's, that's even allowing for the fact that Bale was absolutely sensational um, with his goals. But I just think it's a different story if, if Mo doesn't go off and if Carrius hasn't been chinned. Um, so so that one really because I, because I mean obviously we went on to great things and you could argue that losing that game emboldened us and galvanized us and and focused us even more intently on our mentality our attitude on becoming winners on grinding it out because we know what followed was a, a whole succession of every well every trophy that there was to win mm-hmm. um but yeah that that's the one for me
0: dave
1: i thought about that one but i didn't go for it because although i agree with what Paul's saying about how we were kind of cheated out of it I also don't think we were necessarily ready to be winning it at at that point we were still at the start of the journey by the time we won it a year later felt like we paid our dues and and yeah we were deserving of winning it for me the 21 um, final like the other Real Madrid um, one that's probably one we should have won it on another day we would have i mean i think they had like one chance and we had loads of chances just didn't put any away so that's one but i could easily just say i mean the Gerard slip comes to mind but I, that, I'm, I'm well over that because if that doesn't go down the way it does we probably don't get Klopp. so um i'm fine with that now but mm. maybe just one of the league games in those seasons when we've we've missed out in the league by a point, you know, just yeah, yeah. some of like the Leicester. yeah, like don't don't start me on that one, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. that one, definitely that one, and some of the draws we had, like the there was a draw at Anfield, um, I think it was it was actually Leicester, wasn't it? It was when Nabi Kater should have got the penalty and oh, Harry, yeah, yeah. Harry Maguire should have been sent off that game we got totally screwed yeah yeah so we get three points in that game you know that's the difference between winning the league and not winning it so yeah 2021 champions league final or any of the the games where we've dropped points in in those seasons when we missed out by a point
0: okay that's a good one that's a really good one actually i you know i my view on this is i tried not to look at those sort of like in those little microcosms of a particular game because if we win those games it changes the whole season anyway and you know maybe City don't drop a, a a couple of points that they end up dropping and it's difficult to play those scenarios out by just saying that if we'd have won this game we'd have had two more points and would have hence been champions like I don't necessarily think it works that way I think for me like I thought about the Gerard slip quite a lot um, I th- why why I sort of I'm okay with that is, is the same reason that because you can't stand okay Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when the Chelsea fans were singing the, his, that song, I was joining in the first game of the season. <laughs> no, not really. But just to me, that whole, that, that, that Rodgers era, it's just, in, the, in my time following the club, it's the absolute cringiest couple of years going. Like, I can't think of it, really anything that happened during that period without fucking cringing my bollocks off. Like, all of the stuff that went down with like with Suarez... You've got like Balotelli and Lambert playing for us. You got fucking oh, and this you got Flanagan at left back. People are called right back, calling him the new Cafu. stuff like that. Um, Rogers himself was just a one man walking cringe machine. That some of the songs that came out during that era were terrible as well. Like that Brendan Rogers, Liverpool, we're on our way to glory. Oh, oh God, it just makes me fucking cringe my guts out. So the fact that the Gerrards that curtailed that era um, is also fine with me, even though I was upset at the time. I think the one that hurts me most and continues to and the one that I would like to play over again is the 96 Cup final against United. I was like 14 and I, that, I think I that devastated me more to lose that at the time than any game did during my childhood and... Um, yeah I would definitely I very much like because we just didn't turn up that day did we We, we, I think we'd beaten them in both league games that season or no it was it was the 2-2 at Old Trafford when Fowler scored two on Cantona's return and we got screwed by that penalty that was awarded to Giggs yeah um which I think as a, like it wasn't a foul by Redknapp, and then Cantona rolls in the penalty himself, uh, and we'd beaten them, I think we'd beaten them two 0 at Anfield as well, and I think Fowler, it was when they were playing in that greyish kit, and Fowler had curled in a free kick and had another really good finish at the cop end as well, um, and I thought we I was desperately I thought that was going to be a changing of the guard that game, and this was going to be you know our, our time to shine and go on and win titles but it didn't and that's that really became the hallmark game of that entire era like that's the one you look at and say that's why like David James drops across they didn't turn up on the biggest occasion they were dicking about in white suits that game for me sums up that entire era and it could have been really different if we'd have won it I think Um, and just just one more just for a really really personal reason is I just wish we'd have fucking done better in that European Cup final we were at in Athens it's the only European Cup final I've been to and you know yeah, oh, I just you know I'd love to have had another go at that. We were better than them. Obviously, we were better than we were in two thousand and five, and we beat them. And it was just another game where we didn't really turn up, and until Crouchy came on, really, in the, in when the game was already gone, and we made a bit of a fist of it then. But um, yeah, those are the ones I'd go with. But peak with the ninety six um, Man United FA Cup final game.
1: Arsenal uh, eighty nine was another one I was thinking as well. That was Mm. that was fucking brutal. I was sat right next to the Arsenal fans. Oh my god! I was was like, I was ten yards away from the Arsenal fans. I was like, right on the end of the row, next to where like Mm. they were. Um, yeah, when that goal went in, I just I walked out like crying my eyes out. Arsenal fans were all like laughing at me because I was just like shouting abuse at them. I was like, I'm walking down the steps, tears coming down my face. Like you fucking cockney wankers!
0: Hold on. We've got some. We've got to the bottom of the trauma here in the your it's your irrational hatred of Arsenal fans. We've never really talked about that. So it might be. It's just is, is it's that pushed,
1: it? No, no. It's just pushed beyond way back the chit bed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is something like I, I don't really like to think about or talk about, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I've just started to talk about it then, and it's like. Yeah, it was not it's just not suppressed hard. trauma. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Do you Need a couch to lie on. No, it was it was bad because I, I can still picture them like laughing at me, as I was just like incoherently just shouting, shite mm. at them, tears rolling down my face. It was no, it was grim. So yeah, that was um, that was a bad one. But I don't know. There's loads. I hadn't even thought about Athens. That's a really good one. That you know, that's. I don't know whether that would be my pick now. You know, mm. it's definitely up there. Like.
2: Because you were there, same as Chris, yeah. is that what
1: you mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. and because we yeah, should have won. Good. We had no right to win yeah, we, in 2005, but we should have won and we were a better team two years later. But Rafa picked a fucking terrible team, didn't he? The, like, yeah, the, the two team. things that Milan didn't want to face was pace or height, so he leaves Crouch and Bellamy on the bench and plays Dirk up front on his own. Smart ass. I know. I mean, it's, it's the, the problem is we only got there because of Rafa's genius. His tactics getting us there, and then we got there, and he just mm-hmm. completely fucked it up. But I'll yeah, stick with the twenty twenty one final because I just think like last season probably doesn't go the way it did if we didn't have the massive hangover from like missing out on the title and and that in the same like within a week or whatever
0: it was. I just wanted to to touch on one that didn't that didn't actually make the cut, but seeing as you mentioned that Arsenal eighty nine thing. Um not because it wasn't a good question, because we just got we just got fucking loads, but like is that like the the most batshit you've gone at a game in a negative way about something?
1: Uh, probably uh I'd have to mm-hmm. think, but Yeah, probably is, yeah.
0: Is Paul, is there something that stands out to you about some time a time when you've just completely lost your shit at a game in like fury? In fury?
2: I mean, not really. I was I was I and wasn't Virgil happy with Connor... off
0: two weeks
1: ago. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't happy, I wasn't happy with Con
2: Connor Cody's time wasting for Wolves in the last game of the season, a couple of seasons ago. Um, you know, calls himself a boyhood red and he just from minute one. Just trying to kick the ball out of play and waste time and just every sort of elements of gamesmanship you could possibly conceive of. What a dick! I was pretty angry then. Uh, I'm not one for. I'm not one for getting angry really at the match. Yeah. I'm all, uh, but, but that that really really pissed me off. Like he's a, he's a prick. He's
0: an absolute prick, Connor Cody. For me, I think back to I think it was the two thousand and three League Cup final against Chelsea. Was it a two thousand and five League Cup final against Chelsea? We won the 2003 one against United uh, and um, Gerard goes down with cramp oh, yeah. and Lampard goes over and and helps him stretch out his cramp. I was sat right behind yeah. the dugouts that day and we had Mourinho shushing, shushing us the whole time. I think Gerard had scored that own goal um, to take it to extra time. Was it to take it to extra time? I think it was because we were winning and then I think he scored an own goal. was take it the game goal extra in, time. in
1: extra time? was the decisive right. goal wasn't it i don't know
0: let's, have a look.
1: let's just let's just
0: check that real quick
1: that that's my one as well i'd forgotten about that but yeah because remember john had to drag me away from badge Man at the end badge Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. totally he didn't go back shit. to the game after that did he dave uh, no yeah. i totally lost my shit with badge Man and i'm like john had to drag me out the Millennium stadium <laughs> to drag me away from
0: him <laughs> oh gosh now it's all coming back to me now um we scored we scored in the first minute. Risa scored in the first minute and then um Gerard scored the own goal with 10 minutes to go in normal time. Then Drogba put them ahead. Uh Antonio Nunez, Nunez yeah. scored the equalizer and then Kesman fucking won it. No no, we actually we went 3 We went 3-1 down. Um yeah, Nunez got Drogba and Kesman consolation. And then... Mm-hmm. And I think it was after it was after the second after Chelsea had gone ahead, Gerard had gone down with cramp, and Lampard went over and was stretching out his cramp, and I just fucking lost my. Sh- That's the the angriest I've ever been in a game because it was right around the time that you know the 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 rumours that he was wanting to go to Chelsea, that yeah. Lampard and Terry were talking to him at England games and this kind of stuff, and you know it was in the fucking works. Uh, eventually, you know. That summer almost came to pass, but Mourinho I guess it was said all made to him like... at
1: full time. Remember, it? Mourinho went up to him mm-hmm. on the pitch and went, "See you next season."
0: What a prick! Mm. I guess we sort of had the last laugh in there with knocking them out in the in the European Cup. I thought you were going to say with
1: slipping over there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say.
1: I guess we had the last laugh when when the fucking prick fell over.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh god!
0: Uh, nice. <laughs> oh gosh! All right. Um, okay, Dave. Man with the stick on the forum said, "If you had to take one player from both Everton and the Manx and have them in this squad and give them g- this is the kicker and give them decent game time throughout the season, who are you picking?" Um. Oh. Well,
1: this is really tricky because Everton haven't really got any good players, and United have got a few, but the problem is like are they assaulting women or not so there's an issue there it's like who'd you take from United <laughs> who's not assaulting the women Alleg-
0: you, allegedly so if allegedly if you, assault if there's women. if there's a
1: united player who's not assaulting women then I'd have to consider them but they're basically Andrew Tate FC these days aren't they so yeah. um allegedly yeah <laughs> um i would probably say oh do you know what if i had to give them Game time—that's the problem. It's like there's some of them you think, well, yeah, they could do a job in the Europa League, but if you have to actually play them regularly, I suppose you'd have to say Rashford, but no, mm-hmm. I only because there's, there's not really any other choice. Everton—that's—I do think, like, I might be might not be a popular opinion. I think Jordan Pickford is a really good goalkeeper, but I think he's a really good goalkeeper for a team like that where he's got to be busy all the time. Because every week he makes saves, and you're like fucking out. That was an incredible save. Now he'll also have his mad moments, and he's a tit. So there's that as well. But he is a really good goalkeeper for that type of team. He's not someone who's gonna make like one save a game. He'll only have to do one thing and do it. I don't think his concentration level is is like good enough to play for us, for example. So, yeah. Although he's by far their best player, and I think he is a really good, good, good goalkeeper. It can't be him because we've got Alisson. So, if you're talking about giving decent game time, so it's it's really tricky with Everton because if the God who's any good? I mean, the forwards are all shit. don't think that the defenders are any good. I mean, if you go back like six or seven years, Seamus Coleman, he was a really good player in his day. I think he's still there, isn't he? What know. about
0: that um what, what about, the, about that um midfielder uh oh, Amadi something? What's his name?
1: The Belgian lad in <laughs> midfield. What's his name.
0: <laughs> I'm telling
1: you now, if John was on it if John was on this pod, John would have gone oh uh, on oh, honour And I, <laughs> I know, just nailed him. <laughs> but now, honestly I, I I would have said if he was still there, I would have maybe said Damari Gray as like someone you bring on for ten minutes at the end or something if that's classed as um, decent game time. But no, there, there isn't anyone, and that's not me just like belittling Everton and taking the piss. That's just the way it is. I mean, who is there? Yeah, I'm open to suggestions if like if you can tell me someone who's
2: who's any good. Like, so I went, I, I went basically the same as you. I I Coleman um, because I just think. He's 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 been a good player and he's a, he's a servant and you'd have him in the Milner role, in the squad. And you give him, bring him on to see games out at have Coleman. Because what we was going to right say, back as well, I suppose. I was going to, I was going to say Anana, and I'd give him the game time just for the laughs, on John. That's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: It'd
2: be worth having him there just for you to do, that's John, good. every who's, single who's, week.
1: He's in midfield there,
2: John. What's for I can't get my head round. who's playing in that number there, John. Who was it? Um, and then, and then, yeah, for the Manchester Ashford, you know, good player um and you know i've got a soft spot for him for the whole free school meals thing yeah you know that's mm-hmm. that's 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 real social conscience unlike jordan henderson's I think he's a phony um, but yeah we'll move on
0: right. um well so it's well all right
2: but phony or not he certainly achieved something with the free school meals thing he mm. maneuvered the governments into doing something that they didn't want to do and kids got free meals because of him so but but good, good player as well so rashford
0: yeah i'd probably go for, i pro- probably would go for rashford um I, I loved Amrabat in the World Cup. I thought not he was the fucking awesome.
1: Would you not take the goalkeeper? What's his name? <laughs> 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 um, he's
0: shit,
2: him. <laughs>
1: Stu loves him. I think he's shit. I think he's shit as well. Is Stew Stu or, or the, the goalkeeper? <laughs> 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 the goalkeeper. Uh, Stu's many things. Uh, he's not shit.
0: I thought Amrabat had a, was fucking amazing in the World Cup for Morocco and I would have ha, I would have been happy if we signed him. So I'd probably t- probably take him. Um, and I wouldn't mind um, Juan Bissaka as the backup right back. Um, so, uh, but obviously it's Pickford for Everton. There's nobody else. Um, maybe if he could stay remotely fit, you'd look at someone like Calvert-Lewin. But well, you know you, the point is you've got to give him game time, <laughs> and we can't just have him no. out there with all kinds of breakages and stuff. So um, he is a good let's... player.
1: I, I I do think he's a good <clears throat> player. It, when he plays, they look a different team. Thankfully, mm-hmm. he doesn't play very often because I do think oh. he is he is decent. You yeah. just forget about him because he's always injured,
0: right? Um, so let's stick with Everton for the time being. Then um, AWS um, Dave. Do you want a points deduction for Everton this season? Or hope they go down anyway and have it hanging over them if they ever come back up. <laughs> that's so me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, well that that's difficult because we don't know how the season's gonna play out. Like if I knew they were gonna go down anyway, which I think they will, but I can't say I know they will, then I'd have it hanging over their heads. But no, I'll I'll take the deduction now just to guarantee it. hmm. Yeah. All right. Got,
2: gotta be sure of you, you gotta make certain.
0: And Paul, I come to you on the wrinkle of this question. It was similar, but um choose wisely. Everton this is from the Midnight Rambler on the forum. Choose wisely Everton to get relegated and don't come up for twenty years, or Manchester United don't win another trophy for twenty years. Um I guess the
2: Manx, because Everton will just do it on their own. They don't need our help. Yeah. Um so the Manx, the Manx on the trophy. One, well, I choose the Manx yeah. to not win another trophy for twenty years, because I just don't think Everton Everton are just gonna, are just gonna be a disaster, regardless, aren't they? Okay, so, so yeah.
1: change the framing of it then. Everton won't go down on their own. You would need to send them down for twenty years, or United not win anything for twenty years. I think I'd, I'd send, I'd send Everton down. See, everyone Everton would down, expect yeah. me to say that, but I think I'd actually go with United not winning anything for twenty years. Because that, how long is it since he last won the title? it's like
0: 10 years
1: now isn't it? so that would it might, might even be 11 that would I take want, I just
2: want a break from the bitterness I want Everton to just kind of like separate them themselves from us completely in their, their minds I've so far away so long away from us that they forget about how
1: obsessed with us they are and then they come back up things could be a little bit less toxic yeah I agree with all that apart from not wanting them to come back up um, <laughs> yeah but no I, I would take United not been in 18 for 20 years I think yeah
0: that's not even a. That's not even a consideration for. Them. Yeah,
1: obviously we knew what you'd say.
0: Yeah. Um, so this is a good one. Um, Alan Dodd on Twitter said, and this is a tough one. I will come to you, Paul, on this one first. In an absolute peak, who are you having up top for Liverpool on this current side? Only naming players in my time. He meant his time watching the Reds. Uh, Barnes, Beardsley, Rush, Fowler, Owen, Torres, Suarez, and Salah. So we, I mean, you
2: could pick three from them. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tough in a way, but I was pretty certain straight away who I was picking. Um, John Barnes on the left. He's the best left-sided player we've ever had, just over Sadio. He was everything, absolutely everything you'd want anyone to be. Playing on the left-hand side, power, pace, skill, goals, assists. Uh, genius, absolute genius. Sensa- absolutely sensational player. Um, up front, um, the most natural finisher I've ever seen. And I know people my Me? generation... <laughs> 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 I know <laughs> I know people my generation would quibble over this one, um, but I would go Fowler over Rushy. I think Robbie Fowler just had that. I, I loved his... Uh, it, uh, another genius, really. He just was so unpredictable, could score any kind of goal. Just really cheeky. Um, and those first In three seasons... In this team, though, yeah, in, in yeah. this Liverpool team. Yeah, okay. In this team, yeah. Those first three seasons, he was absolutely incredible. And then the right hand side, um, and Chris, you're going to hate this Suarez mm-hmm. over Salah. Um, okay. Because you just you just can't not have, if you're picking Luis Suarez in a Jurgen Klopp team, he'd just be absolutely incredible. Imagine Suarez unleashed in this team with Klopp, Klopp as his manager and oh, Darwin alongside God. him. He'd just be unreal. He'd be absolutely unreal. Um, so yeah, bars. Do you know who's absolutely, you know who absolutely
0: unreal in this clock team on the right? <laughs> do, you know who is, do you know who's been absolutely unreal? It's this guy called Mohamed Salah, who is one of the options for those things. Fuck yeah, sake.
2: yeah, great player. Not a genius though. Truly great player, <laughs> one of the greatest players of all time for Liverpool. But he's not better than Luis Suarez.
0: Yes, he is. Um, everything, oh, every single not. metric tells you that he's, he's been a better player for Liverpool than than Suarez was. Every single metric you could possibly look at, yeah. um, goals, the eye assists,
1: test. Oh, yeah. eye test, genius, right. mayhem, chaos. I, I don't even want to get involved in that argument because I'm picking Mo, but I'm picking Suarez as well. Um, <laughs> to me, it's like it's, it's obvious. Like Barnes on the left, Mo on the right, Suarez in the middle didn't even have to think about it it was just it was obvious and it's god, mad like that rushy's not in there but it's especially because you know with the press and Russia would be brilliant sorry um, yeah, yeah yeah he would yeah. be superb yeah overlooking rushy seems mad but i want suarez in that role and john barnes has got to be in my team and Mo has got to be in there so rushy's on the bench in the Origi okay. role <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god scoring coming
1: on and scoring <laughs> against everton I yeah, Rush you could go. do that. You could do that in a sleep.
0: That's a good justification for it actually. Because I, I, because of the pressing um and you know everything else he's done in record goal score for the club ever, um I was going with Barnes, Rush, Salah. Um and you know that justification that justification might have me replace Rush in this Liverpool team with Michael Owen. Case,
1: yeah, I I love the, Michael the, the, Owen, but I, I can't justify it. Right. So you're you're dropping Rushi for Owen,
0: yeah, just so Rushi can come off the bench and score against mm. Everton.
1: See, I was I was fully expecting you to pick Torres, and me and you were going to have to go
0: to war. We can get we can do that if you want. I'd
1: have been fuming if you'd have picked Torres. Yeah, I just ca- you,
0: you know didn't. I thankfully i i can't you know i couldn't bring myself to pick a player who forced tried to force a move to you know one of our rivals <laughs> at the time for a knockdown fee after only being here a couple of years there's a price to pay sensational. For yeah it's a big fucking price Paul. i'll tell you that much mate it's a huge price to pay like it's almost Make like it a a, joy
2: chris Think of the goals. Think of the yeah. But
0: think of the, of the cringe draw. of that fucking Rodgers era. It was so cringe, man. Like the whole era was just the fucking worst time. Anyway,
1: imagine how bad it would have been without Suarez.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, we, at least we wouldn't have been sort of like dragged through the mud multiple times by the bloke, and then down tools, trying to force a move. Oh, never I guess he didn't tools. really down tools. Did he? He Tried no, to force a move in successive that's seasons. That's your boy Torres. F- Yeah, that's true. He's not my boy either. Uh, Once for once to Arsenal, and then eventually when he got his he got his move to to Barcelona. So um, he was only ever in it for himself. I don't think he really ever gave a fuck about the club or us or whatever. Um, That's another story for another time. Again, I'm sure. I don't Um, even
1: disagree. I don't even disagree with that. No, same anyway. Yeah, same. Fair enough. <laughs>
2: Disgusted, isn't he? Listen to that. <laughs> Do
0: you know what the, the, the upsets me more is the fact that I think I'm I'm very much in a like the he. It seems there was a period of time where we didn't really talk about him very much, and it's just creeping in more and more and more and more and more. And the legend of him is growing as time goes on, and I think now the legend of him has outstripped the reality of how good no, he was. No. Like, no,
1: no, no. Go and watch yeah, the right. YouTube clips and then come okay. back to me and try and say that. All
0: right, fair enough. Um, so, moving on, Paul. This is a good one, actually. Johnny H on the forums said This is one I snuck in. It wasn't in Dave's official l- list. So, Johnny, you can take that up with Dave. Um, what actor should play Klopp in the movie of his life?
1: Oh, bloody hell. Read the rest <laughs> of it out. That, uh, read the rest of it and expose Johnny for, for who he really is. What was the rest of it? The rest about, like... He said about other players who would play other players, and he said obviously Jimmy Cranky I would too. be playing Robbo. What actor would play Jurgen Klopp? Are you
3: uh,
2: a racist now, Johnny? <laughs> 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 oh, that stumped me. That somebody, somebody hugely charismatic, big physical presence as well. I don't know. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, mm, maybe. No, it's I mean, too back. To it's got the yeah, charisma. It yeah, it'd have to be somebody and yeah it's gotta be somebody physically big as well, big and imposing. I don't know. I don't know, have we, can you boys answer
1: that one? I don't know, I'd stump me that. Danny McBride <laughs> oh, fucking Danny McBride
0: <laughs> It'd be funny, it like
1: a comedy movie. <laughs> that'd be a mad movie then. I reckon um
0: Nicolas Cage. Mm. Nicolas Cage would do a good club. Or if you wanted to if you wanted to be like a serious biopic, you'd have to go with Daniel Day Lewis because you just buy into the role, so Yeah. He'd learn German so for the Tremendously. Pass. Yeah. Yeah, smoke sixty five a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take good paddle tennis. Um, <laughs> um It's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, you stick I him with Danny McTri- It's Danny McBride Dave, no? Yeah,
1: I I haven't no, I've not got a good one for that. It was tricky. Um Okay. Arlo O'Handlin could play Johnny H though. <laughs> <laughs> well if we just go with like lazy stereotypes like that then Yeah. <laughs> Alright, fair
0: enough. Um I've messed up the order, so I'm just trying to pick up the what ones that we haven't st- done. What about other
1: players though? Like who would who would play other players? <sighs> Gosh. You'd have to be like someone incredibly handsome to be sober's
0: like. Mm-hmm. Uh See, we haven't given it any thought no because it wasn't players. on my list so
1: I didn't do homework yeah. on it you snuck that one in I have snuck
0: mm. that one in right. anyway I say we've, we'll fucking revisit that one at some point yeah yeah.
1: along with the most handsome players as well
0: okay yeah I mean that's that one's obvious it's just, it's just Patrick Berger yeah. but you know I don't yeah. think anybody would anybody in the right minds would, would, would argue with that um, so Kane on the forum, Dave, um, he asks, "What's the best insult you've ever heard of the game?"
1: Um, one that springs to mind, staying on the Irish theme, was um, I remember like <laughs> we were playing United and I was sat next to John Brennan, who obviously writes for TLW and he's an occasional podcast contributor, uh, and John's also like the most Irish man on the planet. And in this United game, so I I don't remember exactly what had happened, but Roy Keane had fouled someone or something. And JB just jumps up and he just screams, you Irish cunt! And everyone around (laughs) around in the main stand all just erupted. (laughs) Everyone was pissing themselves laughing. And then John just like sits back down. (laughs) I was just looking at him. It was dead funny. Like So that one... um, same game, he was also shouting abuse at John O'Shea because he nutmegged him in the school playground. <laughs> I think right. O'Shea was a couple of years older than him or a couple of years younger than him. I can't remember exactly, but footy in the school playground and JB, like, megged him in the playground and that's his, like, big claim to fame now. So he shouted Isn't that something... mad people who died off the football nobility when they were kids? I know. Yeah, but to be fair, that is a good one. Like, he's nutmegged John O'Shea. That is a pretty good one. Yeah, it's a
0: theme on the pod. <laughs> he also <laughs> exclusively refers to John O'Shea as John O'Shit which, which
1: yeah. and he's earned the right he's fully earned yeah. the right to do that um, I'm just trying to think of, oh, this one's not an insult but it was funny there was like there was an old fella in the main stand and he kept calling Antonio Nunez Arthur, he kept calling him Arthur <laughs> Nunez and eventually someone said to him, look his name's Antonio and the guy just goes well he looks like an Arthur and he just carries <laughs> on calling him Arthur and everyone, just let him get on with it then. <laughs> so That was funny, but um, no. definitely uh, John B. That was the that was the funniest one I can remember.
0: Nice. I am useless to stuff like this, Paul. Do you have any?
2: Um well t- talking of people getting names wrong, Eddie who sits next to me in the cop, who's uh, 83, eighty three, eighty four, been going a long time, been going sixty years to the game, Eddie. Um, no, seventy years. Sorry, seventy years he's been going the game, but he's not great on new players' names. And for ages, <laughs> Tiago was Alicante. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Alicante. He's he's great. Um, and then uh, one other one. Um, not really a not really like a, a a piss take, but it was a funny moment, going all the way back to Jan Mulby's testimonial in two thousand against Celtic, and I was sitting in the. Uh, in the centenary as it was then. And the game was pretty quiet and slow. And then Mulby picked up the ball inside our own half, just 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 outside the centre circle, in a, in our half. And some wag just leaps up out of his seat and goes, Use your pace, big man and then everyone <laughs> everyone everyone around just crumbled and laughed at it was great. One of those one of those uh, uniquely Scouse moments at the game.
0: Nice. Oh, that's beautiful. Um Dave, Red or Dead on the forum. Um this one's especially for you uh, but Paul you're as high enough on it as well to, to definitely contribute to this will peak darwin ever surpass peak suarez
1: no but he doesn't need to for me as long as he surpasses peak torres i'm happy and i think he will do <laughs> but there's never going to be there's never going to be another suarez i mean they're totally different players as well. So it's like yeah, apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah. Torres is a more valid comparison in terms of playing style. I mean, Suarez is like so unique. Like I remember, I'm going to <laughs> do the, the whole Suarez thing again, but before Suarez really took off, uh, you know, his first like 12, 18 months here, I just remember saying he's like a combination of Barnes and Beardsley, but we needed him to just add Aldridge to it as well. And then he did. So then he was like Barnes, Beardsley and Aldridge all rolled into one package. Um, now, Darwin's oh never going to be that. But the, the good comparison for Darwin would be Torres. That's like the benchmark that he should be looking at, is Eclipse and Torres.
0: Right. I mean, that's definitely plausible. I mean, Pete Torres was just fucking an absolute thing of absolute... Indescribable beauty, he was unplayable, north, wasn't he? It was, it just didn't last
1: long enough. But yeah, that's no, right, in his peak, he was, was mm-hmm. outstanding. And his body
0: started to let him down by then, you know. Too, I think we probably played him too much in that first season or so. And um, we, you know, we cashed on in, in on him at the right time. Yeah, you know, it got us Suarez, right? Yeah,
1: and Andy Carlos, so <laughs> yeah.
0: Big Andy Carroll's just signed for uh, Amiens in France now, so John's gonna get to go and see him play again. Yeah. John lives. John Brandon lives just around the corner from the ground, so there's like local school kids getting their pictures taken with him and stuff. I must be thinking like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, because Andy Carroll's literally been injured for their entire life, so <laughs> I'm not sure why they'd know who he is. Chris, um, you're,
1: you're like you're big on speaking French. What what um what's French for shit Darwin Nunez? <laughs> um, <laughs> is that, is uh, that what they're going to be chanting Nune- at him? N-
0: like, Nunez, uh, Nunez, Nunez de Mad, Nunez de med. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nunez of shit. I like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So, oh yeah, this is a good one. Ash on Twitter um, said, "Who?" Uh, who are the top five most irritating players in the Premier League currently, and top five favourite non-Liverpool players? So we won't hold you to five. Just throw out a couple of names. Paula, come to you first on this.
2: All right, I'll, I'll start with uh, favourite non-Liverpool um, players. I mean, there's, there's no big surprises here, or maybe maybe one people wouldn't expect. I mean, Matoma looks brilliant. Although stunned when Dave told us in the group chat the other day he's 26. Yeah, that blew me away. But Matoma looks brilliant, so it looks like he's he's clop, clop ready. He looks perfect. Uh, Red Kev. If you don't like Red Kev, you don't like <laughs> football. Um I really like Odegaard. At, I like, I like Odegaard at Arsenal, really, and I don't really want to like him, but I but I, but I do. I think he's a really classy, clever player. Uh, James Milner, of course. Um of course. and the other one is I really like Tarek Lamptey. At uh, at Brighton and I think his his shit might have sailed. I'm not he's had some injury problems. Yeah he's broken. um and I I'm not sure he's ever really gonna have the career that I thought he might. But when he's fit and playing well, like, he's a really, really good player, I really like him. Uh, in terms of the irritating ones, I mean there's there's no surprises at all. Um Fernandez, mm-hmm. he's a face prick. Richarlison, obviously he hates us, we hate him. Anthony Gordon, what an arsehole he is. <laughs> um, the the latest the latest alleged sex offender at United Anthony I mean he just looks he's just he just looks evil doesn't he he's just got an evil look on his face mm-hmm. and he, but you, you know if you were told that he was a Nazi you'd believe it wouldn't you um, mm-hmm. and and then That's the other definitely. one is conor Cody and honestly Dave Dave yeah, always Premier says League. he can
1: sp- Premier League Paul
2: oh was he not in the Premier League anymore No he's at Leicester. Uh, okay, okay. Well, I still want to have a little dig on Connor Cody anyway <laughs> while I'm in here. Another one. Dave but... always says he can spot a snake instantly at, 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 at a thousand paces, and I didn't really see what it was he didn't like about Connor Cody. I, didn't, I wasn't like a fan of his. I didn't think what a great guy or anything like that. Me or Connor Cody? But Kobe. I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't really see. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really see what the issue was. But once you see, once the uh, once the scales fall from your eyes, he is an absolute rat he's a rat he's a, just a fake nice guy he's a, he, I can't, can't stand
1: the guy but he's not in the Premier League now so that ship sailed
0: Go on then Dave
1: uh, I can't believe I'm being limited to five because uh-huh. <laughs> I could probably do 50 if I actually thought about it <laughs> um, Richarlison's number one always will be Bruno Fernandez is on there as well um, Anthony Anthony Gordon Pickford The Butcher and I'm throwing son in there as well. I, yeah. hate, I hate the way everyone, everyone fucking loves like Sonny. Oh, isn't Sonny great? Isn't he so smiling? Isn't he great? He's a cunt. And <laughs> people cunt. don't see it. People don't see it. And see, it, this it is what I'm talking me. about. Tell me why he's a cunt. There's this, lots this of is what... reasons. Just watch him. He's a cunt. He's like he's a fake, <laughs> nice guy. He's a diving bastard. He's a dirty little bastard on the sly as well. And then he's always like, oh, you know, he's horrible. he's he's horrible and i just don't like the way everyone loves him um and there was the stupid little handshake thing like with with gold celebration with harry kane as well like that pissed me off as well um yeah i've got lots of reasons for not liking son and the main one is that my mum hated him and my mum was like Mm -hmm. never wrong on stuff like this she'd spot stuff like that even before me and she was onto that like way before me and then i was like you know what yeah, she's right, actually. He's a horrible little cunt. So, yeah, but you've so only said Adam Lallana as well, Dave. Yeah, she did, but just wait and see. You know, something will probably come out in time. <laughs> <laughs> I love Adam Lallana, but, you know, <laughs> I, I am sceptical. Like, there's maybe something that's going to come out about Adam Lallana. And Hendo's be like, mate. Be a big defensive Hendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's maybe like he's he was advising him on that interview. Yeah. Uh, trying to think if I've missed anyone. I've definitely missed loads. Oh, ben, ben Shite. He's on there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, Damn, tattooed freak. Right.
0: You've done. You've, you've you've got a good few in. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'll, go with, I'll go with I'll go with
1: ones who who are like. Uh, so is I'm, this a my boys list? Because this could go on forever. No, it, it, it isn't my boys just, list. But uh, I'm not listing. You're on like often. five. Uh,
0: you're okay. Like five,
1: and then we're moving on. So okay, well I've got four, and then I've got two who are no longer in the Premier League, so that counts as like me fifth. Because okay, that's hard, okay. Then. So I've got Ivan Tony. Um, yeah. love watching him, think he's a great player yeah. totally underrated uh, yeah. Brian Umbermo as well he's, he's a really good player but he's another one I thought he was about 28, 29 but he's actually like the reverse Matoma he's only 23 I think uh, he's a really good player though, I like watching him uh, Matoma's on there and my boy Dom Solanke and my other two who don't qualify because they got relegated Jamie Vardy and Patrick Bamford Jamie Vardy Mm. always loved watching him I think he's just Mm. for the type of striker he is he's fantastic just such a good player Um, and yeah my boy Patrick Bamford because he's like massive Bon Jovi fan nice
0: Um, okay so for me in terms of the ones that I find most annoying I can't even think Aaron Ramsdale at Arsenal I yeah, fucking I yeah, hate his yeah. fucking he's a stupid yeah. face, yeah. and yeah. he's just a little fucking horrible, little short-sleeved. It's like, like you say, Diet Pickford, right? Yeah. Um, he's not as good a goalkeeper as everybody says he is. It drives, it's just his fucking face. Is is that Arsenal over celebration of everything? He's always front and center of that. Um, so him. And then I'm going Foden, because of his oh, horrible thing. Miss
1: Foden, oh my god.
0: Ball bag mank face. Um <laughs> he looks like a fucking shaved nutsack. They're fucking horrible <laughs> looking thing. Um I'll go with uh, a left field choice would be um what's his name? Ben what? Bel- Bencher, what? Ben Chelsea. He's got that fucking Chelsea haircut on him. He, he has neither like, season? Yeah, he's season? yeah it's just like he's like Lampard Reborn in a shit fullback. Like, oh, that's a shout. Um, yes, that's a shout. Yeah. Um, I can't fucking stand Raheem Sterling um, for a number of reasons, um, but also channeling what Dave said, my mum, f- my mum fucking hates Raheem Sterling. She's like <laughs> a never forgiven him, and she she like she'll she'll come out with some real venom when she sees him on the on, on the television. She fucking hates him, and um, I'll go with Harland as well just because his stupid fucking face. orc face. Mm. Um, so, in terms of players I like, um, Jared Bowen is one of my favourite players. Jared oh, yeah. Bowen at West Ham. Yeah. I fucking love him. I would love for him to, us for us to sign him. Um, I've got a real soft spot for James Madison. <laughs> I know you all think he's a knobhead, but I kind of like him. He loves good the dance as well. He, that, is yeah, he is a good player. He a good player. And, that and did you see that
2: thing he did, uh, in, the thing it, did in the corner flag? Did you um, see that yeah, quote?
1: <laughs> He said he likes to be the main man even when he's taking his family out for a Sunday <laughs> roast. What, what does that even entail? means he hogs
2: the gravy. He makes sure he gets the most gravy. Yeah. So Chris, did you, see that, did you see that video of him uh, when he went to take a corner and they were all calling yeah. him shit? That
0: yeah. was great. Well, do, I thought he handled that really well. He did that to us. Um, that's that's what turns me on him, actually. It turned me into like a, a fan of his um, because he did that to us at Anfield, twenty twenty two. season. it was all, actually on my fortieth birthday. Um, he went to take a corner, and we were booing him. And he just moved the ball out of the quadrant, and they just turned to the cop and laughed. And I thought, like, that's actually, he's actually all right. He's not, he's not an arbet at all. Um, Dead complimentary you know, on
1: Instagram after the game as well. He was. Yeah. About Anfield yeah.
0: and. The... And gosh, in terms of other players, that I like. There I like. I like Saka at Arsenal. I think he's fucking quality and and probably a good lad as well. Um, And yeah, I think that's kind of it, really. I'll I'll stop at three players who I quite like. But I was looking... uh, Funny thing, I was looking at the Man United squad before just to kind of refresh my memory on who actually played for them and who I dislike the most out of those people who actually play for them. And obviously, you know, you've got Bruno Fernandes in there um, front and centre. But I looked at their squad players at the moment and they've got their forwards and they've still got... Mason Greenwood on there, but they've kind of like greyed him out. And obviously, they've greyed him out because like he's gone out on loan. I think that's the rationale behind it. Like yeah. he's non loan player, <laughs> but nobody else is. And it just looks a bit like it just looks a bit wrong that they've like greyed him out because like you, they've given him like the designated like sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, on like the, the way they list all like the pictures on the websites, is it mug shots? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Oh man. Oh gosh. I um, I've got so, one I
1: want to add to me uh, irritating players as well. Okay. That Gabriel Titter Arsenal. Not Gabriel Jesus although you could add him as well he always looks like he's got a bad smell under his nose. That like Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> but um <laughs> no, Gabriel the center back. He he rubs me up the wrong way. Okay. Fair I enough. I I okay. thought
2: of one as well. I don't like that Almaron. His face does me head in. He that, looks like that, a he eyebrows. Yeah, he reminds me of the absolute bellend who went to school with. He was an absolute prick. <laughs> Looks exactly the same.
0: And, uh, Not just, that justification.
2: Just want to uh, just want to come back on your Shout about Saka. Uh, yeah, he's a good lad, isn't he? Um, uh, Saka. He's one of those. If, if your daughter brought him home, you'd be made up. Like he's, he seems like a really nice yeah. lad. Um, yeah, he's a good shout. That I would have been happy for him to uh, to have joined us when there was a, a a tiny little hint that maybe he was he had that Champions League clause yeah. and we might jump in there. Yeah, yeah like, really good player, but a really nice lad as well. I think
0: I've also got a certain amount of respect for um, Declan Rice as well. Yeah, And the way say that yeah. he handled his mm. uh, the way he handled his move away, he stayed for probably one or two more years than he had to, and he got West Ham a trophy and he left on perfectly good terms with them. So as far as player as far as players who've gone from West Ham, if you look at them, there's been a fucking lot down the years, and the way they handled it, and all of those, you know, young English players who've moved on to Chelsea or us or wherever, like I think he handled it as well as, as well as anybody has, so he deserves a lot of respect for that, and he's a good fit for Arsenal, um, and you know, I, I don't think necessarily he would be the right fit for us, and I'm glad we didn't invest too much in chasing him, but I wouldn't have been upset at all if if he'd have signed for us. Yeah, he seems like a good,
1: he good like lad. A God lad. He does. I, I mm-hmm. like him.
0: Yeah, um, so we've gone for like two hours now. Should we? Should we, Let's squeeze one. Let's squeeze one more question in. And it's a general question, right? And it's it's one that like Diamond Joe, I think it's on the forum or on, on Twitter. I can't remember which one. Um, has asked us to pick top five films each. This will tell us everything we need to know to separate the wheat from the chaff. So, uh, Paul, you can go first. Uh, okay, this is pretty easy, I think
2: um my five are the thing the original john carpenter thing love it great great film stands up now even though i mean you could quibble about the special effects but it's still a genuinely thrilling film it's fantastic Jaws. Spielberg's greatest ever the greatest the greatest soliloquy ever committed to celluloid when Quince talks about the USS Indianapolis and and that's an invitation that is an invitation for Dave's impression in a minute by the way (laughs)
3: Um,
2: (laughs) Aliens too much of a build I'm not doing it (laughs) Aliens the greatest sequel in cinema history better than The Godfather 2 as a sequel absolutely fantastic Uh, When Harry Met Sally the most consistently funny film ever just pissed myself looking at Billy Crystal's face um, never mind the gags and the lines and then i, I, I was trying to i was just want to throw a slightly left field one in but it, it is genuinely a film that i do love and i've always loved um people, many some people might not have heard of it a film called state of grace which is like irish gangsters set in new york and hell's kitchen with gary oldman and and sean penn and ed harris three of my favorite actors fucking great film oh, if you're nice. not seeing it get onto that it's brilliant what's it called state of grace states of grace yeah directed by a guy called yeah. phil Giovano. unfortunately he directed some youtube videos
1: as well but we, we gloss over that <laughs> all right um uh, D- dave go on i only picked three i thought we were just doing three because it said three if okay. you're too lazy and obviously uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it fits the bill perfectly then <laughs> so yeah <laughs> if you if you give me an option i'm gonna take the lazy option yeah. so uh, i just went with three so um number three rocky four Number two, mm. jaws.
0: Number one, life. Okay, nice. Um, well, life's a bit of a, a left field one, unless it's for you're talking about me and you, because it's a long time favorite of ours. Yeah. What? Get, tell us a little bit about life. Um, the film, not life itself. If
1: anyone who hasn't seen it, well, you would need to watch it. It's just perfect, absolutely perfect movie. So Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, and as in the title, life. They get sent. To do life imprisonment, and yeah, it's just it's so good, just absolutely fucking brilliant film. Yeah, it's Love just it. great. It's just good film.
0: But like into like similar to what you said about when Harry met Sally, Paul. Like into the, the the dialogue is just incredible out of this world. But there's also a real poignance to it as well, is yeah. that you, you follow these guys, these two guys who were never really friends. Um, they you know they're they're matched together for unforeseen circumstances um, from different backgrounds and. You know they they spend their life they essentially end up spending their lives together. So it's a really poignant one. And there's all kinds of you know commentary about like sort of race in the Depression era and this kind of stuff. And it's it's just a brilliant film in its own right. I think it was who direct was it like um was it John it wasn't Jonathan was it Jonathan Demi who directed it. I don't see. know. Ted Demi, yeah, Jonathan Demi's brother. <laughs> um, Close enough yeah I've gone for I picked five and I haven't gone for what I consider to be the five best films ever I've gone for my five favourite films uh, my yeah. undisputed best film of all time favourite film of all time and the best I think is E.T uh, just, just a yeah. great film no movie has ever captured the magic of childhood and friendship in the way that that, that movie did perfect perfect soundtrack great performances from all involved and uh, Spielberg it is absolutely just wondrous Fantastical peak. Um, I've gone for *The Big Lebowski* as well, which is a cult classic, Cohen Brothers, uh, and get again, incredible dialogue, uh, brilliant sort of story structure, the way it plays with narrative and that kind of stuff. Just one of my favourite movies of all time. Uh, *Stand by Me* I've gone with as well. Um, do you know when you? Do you know when again, you said
2: E.T. about childhood? That came into my head then, mm-hmm. Chris. Amazing mm-hmm. film.
0: Uh, stand by me for the same many of the same reasons. Really, like I never had friends again, like the ones I had when I was twelve. But then again, who does? Like it just perfectly encapsulates just the innocence of youth, and then in a certain way, a loss of that innocence. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've gone with Forrest Gump, which I think is the greatest American movie of the twenty, the twentieth century in terms of just capturing like Americana. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Hanks delivers probably the, the one of the top five performances in cinema history. And then I've gone for um, the, um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Incredible achievement, just a phenomenal achievement and something I watch maybe like two or three times a year in its entirety. So, yeah. I there can't
1: believe life didn't make you top five.
0: I, I had a hinkling that you were going to say it, so I didn't want to double down. I'm not Give us lie, your quint, Dave. Come on. No, too Give much your quint. A build
1: up. I'm just going to throw it in randomly one time. I'm, I'm definitely. You've done, You've done it before on the pod. I haven't done it before on the pod. Chris, done I've... it and turned into like an Irishman. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I might have done it in the chat. I've voice message. You've chat. done it in the I've chat, chat loads the of times. Yeah. No, it, it La- one day, one eyes, day. day. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
1: uh, all right,
0: we've, we've gone fucking ages here, over two hours. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. I think we, cu- we we had loads of other good questions as well. Um, that we didn't get to and some that we want to make standalone episodes from entirely sort of ones that kind of stand, span the Klopp era like sort of you know top 10 moments of the Klopp era and that kind of stuff that deserves its own time so thanks for all your feedback on that and um, oh. we'll try to get some of the other ones uh, uh, in at other times as well can we so. do
1: one more a short go on, one then because this yep. one needs to go in it's number two on the forum I'd said which one of you is most likely to turn into a cunt when the pod brings fame or fortune <laughs> Now, mm-hmm. the easy answer would be all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's brownie, isn't it? Why is mm-hmm. it brownie? It just is. <laughs> he's halfway there already. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I could see Jules becoming completely unbearable, just like not having any time for anyone. I could see that. Because <laughs> he's like that a lot of the time anyway. But now it's brownie. Okay. Okay.
2: All right. nope. No, don't me. For <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I haven't got an answer to it, mate. Who, n- who knows? No, brownie, no, no, one's, no one's no one's gonna, no one's going to be a cunt. It's No, no one's a cunt. Um, do you know what though? What I did want to say is, I thought it was really boss how people engaged with the uh, the request for this part. Loads and loads of great questions, were yeah. it? It's really sound that, that like people are into it. Like it's great. Nice one, everybody. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. nice one.
0: Good stuff. Yep, yeah, we'll get to some of the others in future pods. Uh, we might even re- reintroduce the um, the element where, at full time, we we sort of asked for some questions as well in, in games. We planned on doing that last year It never came to fruition. So maybe you'll oh, see yeah, some more good. questions popping up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially for some of those Europa League games where we're not going to have <laughs> going to be <laughs> struggling for stuff to talk about. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep this as a feature moving forward. Um, Dave and the boys will be back on Saturday after the Wolves game. Brownies Hopefully wrong. we can pick up. Is he? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Brown, <laughs> brownie the cunt.
1: Brownie and Jules. <laughs> brownie the halfway to a yeah. cunt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Gosh.
0: Good luck with that. That's not very nice that. I didn't want shot, to. Use that. shots no, fired, brownie
1: lads. I love yeah. brownie, I'm only messing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Alright. He can take it, that's for sure. Yeah. Um all right. You you and Brownie and Jules will be back after Wolves, but until then, we'll catch you soon.
3: best word I can say, but uh, will describe this, was BOOM! <laughs> 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 Woo, what was this? It was really good.